0: I felt like a rock star. They offered me a five year contract, 45 grand a week, 8.8 million that I was earning. Yeah, that's just when all my dreams come true really. You know, I was the star man. I was the best player there. Man wow. United, Real Madrid wanted me to go out there and have a trial with them. I was now going Nobu and, and, and going to top restaurants and going out partying and I took my after prizes. But other things that like caught your eye and... Yeah, yeah, women. And that kind of broke me is when I got all the fame and I got the, the money, I didn't have any guidance. You know, like you see these players who have that rise to stardom and then they just fall off a cliff because they don't know how to deal with what yeah. they've got. Yeah. Jaden Sancho, Deli Ali after that was it was an
1: absolute
0: disaster wow. i fell off a cliff
1: so they just throws no. you out basically mm.
0: death threats like they wanted to kill me gone through a divorce which cost me two million pounds i haven't got a club my money's running out so i went on big brother we'll give you 300 grand that changed everything I went to interview Harry Kane and he refused to do an interview with right, me okay people to talk about Van Dijk you know I think he's overrated
1: former Premier League footballer Jamie O'Hara opens up about the highs and lows of his career and the untold reality about being a pro footballer. So Jamie, so like most English boys, I grew up absolutely desperate to be a professional footballer, right? Anyone asked me what I wanted to be a professional footballer? Yeah. And I got to like 13, 14, and you sort of start to realise... You were good enough. I'm not good enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm just lying to myself. Obviously, you were good enough. Do you remember a moment when you were maybe that age, a bit young, where you thought, you know what, I'm, I'm good enough to do this? Um, I mean, I I, I kind of started when I was, I was seven. Yeah. And I
0: got scouted playing in a cup final for my Sunday league team. Um, and there was a Chelsea scout there. And I was playing under nines at the time. And I remember him coming up to my dad afterwards um, and I was playing left back. And he said, you know, your boy, he, he looks pretty good. He, mm. Would he be interested in coming down and training with the under nines for, for Chelsea? And my dad said, well, he's only seven. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, "Well, he's definitely coming down to Chelsea. So I ended up, I was at Chelsea from really young age. And that's what kind of where I started um, going into uh, Battersea Park uh, training there every Tuesday and, and Thursdays. And um, and it, I realized I was I, I realized I was good because I was at Chelsea. You,
1: you,
0: yeah. yeah, I was, you know, I was at Chelsea and I knew I was good. But I, I asked this question to my dad because I got three boys now. And I always say, Dad, when when was the moment mm. that, you know, you kind of knew that this is an opportunity? And he, he, he always said that. It's, I started playing football at school, got in the school team. I was the best player. Yeah. So I was dad, right, all right, he's, he, he's, he's the best player at school. And then I went to Dartford District team. I got My dad paid to get me into this Dartford District side because the school wasn't actually in the district at the time. He paid to get me in it because he wanted me to play for him. Yeah. And I went down there and I scored a hat-trick on my debut. You know, first game, scored a hat-trick for Dartford. That was it. I was the best player at Dartford District. Yeah. So that was a step up. And then I got... Obviously asked to go and play for the county team, which was Kent at the time. So I went to Kent County and my dad was like, right, let's let's see where he's at now. You know, what? this is another step up. Yeah. Went to Kent County, was the best player, running rings around people. And it kind of, every kind of step that I took, I eventually went to Arsenal. Arsenal come and scouted me when I was uh, playing for Kent. And at the time, Arsenal was the best academy in the country, right? Arsenal, mm-hmm. Man United, they were the best. Yeah. And I took the opportunity to go there and I was the best player there. You know, like everywhere I went, I kind of was like,
1: yeah,
0: you know, and I, I, once I got to kind of 11, 12, my dad was like, right, you know, he, he's pretty good at this stuff. And he kind of, de- you know, he dedicated his whole life really for me to, you know, pursue my dream of becoming a footballer. But I was obsessed, you know, I was just addicted to football. I lived and breathed every single day was just football, football, football. And, you know, for me, the Arsenal Academy was the one where, like you were, you were at the top of any academy in the country, and I was um, just really trying to, you know, kick on with my my ability there. And every single age group, every year I stepped up, I continued to be the best player in that team, and you know, I just, I was just addicted to it. I loved so it.
1: Did you think at that point you were going to go and play for Arsenal? Obviously, you ended up playing for Spurs. That was a bit, that's a bit of a, a <laughs> yeah. left field turn. How did that happen? Um, I mean, for me. I always, people ask me like, how did you make it? And I'm like, it, it, it
0: sounds a bit stupid and it's not an arrogant thing. I just always knew I was going to be a footballer.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like I just, I, I, I just had no, I, there was nothing else. Yeah. Like I was going to be a footballer. I always said getting to the top was the easy bit. Stand where was, the, was mm. the bit where I struggled with. Um, making it was just, I was obsessed. I was obsessed. And you know, I was always like, no one was going to stand in my way in terms of me realizing my dream and plan. Yeah. At the time it was for Arsenal. You know, yeah. I believed that I was going to play for Arsenal. They yeah, were yeah. the best side. It was the best academy. They love Arsenal loved me. Mm. Like I was like their, you know, their one that was coming through who was everyone was talking about I was playing for England. You know, I was the one that was representing Arsenal for, for England at that age group. And every year I stepped up and it got to uh, I, I got to sixteen. I was at Arsenal school, so eleven kids went to an Arsenal school. And there was a few of us there. I was the one that was kind of really looking, they were pushing on. I was starting to train with the reserves, uh, some of the first team players as well. Arsene Wenger obviously knew where I was. Mm. Um, and I looked to sign a, after school was to then go full-time pro with yeah. Arsenal Academy. Um, and I had a, I, my dad actually, and, and me as well, had a fallen out with Liam Brady. Okay. He was a legend there, but he was like yeah. the sporting director, the academy director. And we fell out of him because I said I, I, was, I was 17. I was playing in the England age groups with Tom Huddleston, Gabby Agbonglahor, Theo Walcott, um, you know, Aaron Lennon. I was playing with players that were already playing first team football. Yeah, Like they would just started to get in, like Tom Huddleston was playing for Derby. Uh, there was and I was like I want to play I um, no, I thought I was ready <laughs> yeah, yeah I wasn't ready but I thought I was ready because yeah. as you do you, you know you don't want to get held back yeah. and it was just at that it was just at that time where young players were really trying to you know get in the first team early and so Liam Brady was like look Arsenal we love you we want you to come in you're going to be in the reserves we're going to develop you we see you plan for Arsenal you're going to have a great career here mm. but we don't see you getting in the team until you're 21 uh. and I was like I'm 17, I'm yeah. not waiting four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, nah. So Liam Brady obviously was, he was quite a stubborn character, uh, a brilliant man, a stubborn character. So we kind of called their bluff a little bit and was like, all right, well, I'll leave then. And obviously when that happened, that was a kind of a big decision to make because all of a sudden then I had, every team in the country want to sign me because I was obviously representing, mm. you know, Arsenal and, and, and playing for England and I was available. Yeah. That was, you know, it was the right age profile. At that yeah, point. age. Yeah, yeah. And then at that time, it was, I was a Tottenham fan. Right. So okay. I used to go down to the JVC centre at Highbury and train with Arsenal. I used to wear a Tottenham shirt. <laughs> so, so it was, <laughs> okay. a bit, yeah, so I was, <laughs> always I was, confident then. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was confident. Well, I was always growing up as a Tottenham fan. I remember getting letters come through the door I think I probably had 15 different letters from 15 different clubs Man wow. United, Man City, um, Tottenham, Chelsea again wanted me back. And then there was like Wimbledon, and then there was uh, Real Madrid that wanted me to go out there and have a trial with them. Wow. But I never wanted to leave home. I was very much a homeboy. I lost my mum when I was 17. So I was going through that period where yeah. my mum was going through cancer, and mm. I wasn't. Man, Manchester United really wanted me to go up there, but I didn't want to leave home. I would have had Stan Diggs. I never wanted to do digs. So Tottenham was the perfect opportunity, really. I thought, I'm a Tottenham fan. I love it there. I went and trained with the first team. They brought me in and was like, we'll train with because they had to pay a fee for me. Now, I don't know how much that fee was, but I heard it was around a million pound, right. um, depending on whether I play, If I got in the first team, there would be add-ons. Um, and I went into the first team. I loved it. I loved being around it. And straight away, I, I pursued going to Tottenham and, and made that happen. And, Kind of the, the rest is history, but the funny story is 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 that I went to Tottenham on the basis that I didn't want to wait till I was twenty one to get in the first team at Arsenal
1: and I made my debut for Tottenham when I was twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a few loan moves in there, weren't there? Um so just on that decision of where to go and you went to Tottenham, yeah. If you had that again, would you make a different decision? Same thing. So they fancy Real Madrid? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, look, the Real Madrid and Manchester United ones, I look back on and go, yeah. them opportunities probably don't come around very often. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to live in Diggs, and I wouldn't have wanted to move to Spain. I could have gone to Real Madrid, had a trial and it not worked out. Yeah, and I could have yeah. gone out there, disappeared and no one know who I am. Yeah. I have to say that I made the right decision because I made it as a footballer in the Premier League for Tottenham, who are a massive club. And it was my boyhood dream to play for Tottenham. I always wanted to play for Tottenham. Right. Um... It was a big decision and obviously because of my mum passing away and and around that time where she was ill, I wanted to be at home, I Mm, I wanted to be around my family. So that in terms of having a regret over that decision, no, but you you never know, do you? You know, you you never know. You You can't can't tell what would happen. You you can't tell what could
1: happen. You can't live in in regret. but yeah, Real Madrid would have been a, <laughs> would have, would have been a good... Uh, would have been fun, maybe. Would have been fun. <laughs> so you go to Spurs and then there's a number of loan moves. Is yeah. that frustrating? Are you like, oh, I really want to stay here and play? I hated it. Yeah.
0: I hated. it. I mean, look, the first one was to Chesterfield. I went out on loan. I, was, I think I was 18. I went out on loan and I didn't want to play reserve team football anymore. I was like, I need to go and experience men's football. I need to know yeah. what it means. Where, you know, lads are playing in League One. They're not on loads of money. They're paying for their their mortgage and their families like you have to go and it means something you know you're playing in the reserves and it's a development team it don't mean all. yeah um, you're just you know you go and turn up and you play and if you lose you lose And oh yeah well played we do, learn from this when, you, when I went to Chesterfield it was like three points or off right okay. you know like you have to win yeah and that was my first taste of real football and Roy McFarlane was the manager and he was old England centre half old school manager and he was brilliant. I loved it. It was a massive learning curve for me. And it was it, the first loan move to Chesterfield was brilliant. I think I scored six or seven goals in 15 games. Mm. Um, and that's when I kind of, I was like, I know I can be a professional footballer. Yeah. Whether it's in the Premier League, I know I can be a professional footballer mm. at, at a level. League One, Championship, I knew I could make it. And that then gave me the confidence. When I went back to Tottenham, I was like, Right, I'm going to kick on. I didn't. Hmm. I really got frustrated because it was a time where Tottenham brought in a a new sporting director, Damian Camoli, and he was just bringing in so many players. Right. It was like they were just just like, I, I ended up saying it was like a brick wall in terms of progression.
1: Does your heart sink then when you, because I imagine you hear about it in news like other people, I imagine, when it's first being Rube and you're thinking, oh, don't bring him in, don't bring him in. It's going to stop It was
0: every week. It felt like every week they were bringing in someone, every week. And they weren't bringing in like star players at this time. They were just bringing in like players that were coming into the reserves. Right. No potential young players, filling the squads up. Like we're just filling the squad up with players. Mm. And some of them made it through. I mean, some of them made it uh, and, and got in there. But I was like, I've signed for Tottenham because I knew this was going to be an easier pathway in terms of Arsenal because Arsenal mm. at the time had yeah. Emmanuel Petit and Vieira playing in midfield, <laughs> you know. So I, had, I saw it as an easier pathway to get into the first team, and then they kind of just they blockaded it for me, and I got really frustrated. And I remember knocking on the door, Martin Yole, all the time saying, "I want to play, I want to play, I need to be involved." And he was like, F-ing "Calm down, you're you're 18, f- f-
1: yeah?
0: You're, the f- is this?" I'm off, like I'm knocking on his door every week. He don't even know the fuck I am. <laughs> and uh, but I thought I was good enough. I was ready. Yeah. I ended up going on loan to Mierwool, um, which again was a family uh, um, club that I knew. You know, like, all my family from Bermondsey. Right. They all grew up as Mirwall fans. Mirwall and Tottenham are massive in my family. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to Merewall. You know, my family know it. It would be good for my family to see me play them. I went there, and. Actually, it, it went okay. It went really well. Um, I had one incident where I, I, I had a bit of a nightmare. I, I don't know. You've probably seen this online. Was I had a I had a, a row with a manager away mm-hmm. at Carlisle. I'll never forget this story. I learned a lot from it. To be honest, I was 18, and I was I wasn't arrogant. <laughs> I was confident in my ability, and I'm I was at Merewell for a reason. I wasn't there because I wanted to play for Merewell. I was there because I wanted to progress my career. That's mm-hmm. what lone people do, right? Yeah. And I got dragged after thirty minutes. We we're three 0 down. The manager dragged me after thirty minutes. Willie Donachie, I never forget his name. An absolute clown. And he he pulled me off, and I walked off the pitch. Took my shirt off, which I shouldn't have done. It was stupid. And I f-ing walked in the dressing room. And was like, "F this, I'm off." And I got. I, I, I walked to the train station in from Carlisle. Right, I'm eighteen years away. I got no money on me. I haven't got a f-ing clue where I am. I was f- <laughs> seething. I've like this is it come to this. So I remember walking to Carlisle train station, I got on a train, and I only had enough money to get me to Birmingham. <laughs> I had to get back to London. <laughs> so I've ended up, sh- and I'll never forget it, Neil Harris phoned me, he's the captain. He's phoned me, where are you? I'm like, i am fucking gone, f*** this, I'm off. I'm fucking not I'm going back to Tottenham. So I've left at half time, bad, bad decision. Yeah. My dad had to come and pick me up from Birmingham. <laughs> I've gone back, next day, f***ing hell, I've had Tottenham on the phone, what's going on? I was like, I ain't going back literally an hour later they sacked the manager Mirwall so willie donnelly got the sack cuz he yeah. was having a beast anyway yeah sacked the manager so now I'm gone back to tottenham but I'm still technically on loan at mirwall so I'm training at tottenham for three or four days and um kenny jacket phones me and says do you want to come back i know what's happened put it in the past i want a fresh start i want you i need you i want you to i need right. you to play i want you to play saturday i'm going to start you
1: wow
0: so I was like, yeah. So I've gone back to Mirwall and Kenny Jackett said, "Look, I'm going to play you. Don't care what's happened. Willie Donachie didn't rate you, whatever. Fine. I got a massive fine from Tottenham. I got two week, two week wages. Fine. I learned a lot from it. I apologized to all the Mirwall players. It was out of order on my part. I was young and naive. Played that, played that Saturday, scored, and rest is history. I kind of from then I played six or seven games under Kenny Jackett, and then Martin Yole got sacked at Tottenham. Hmm. And one day, Ramos come in. They brought one day Ramos in. And my loan ended at Mirwall. And I could either go back, to stay at Mirwall till the end yeah. of the season or go back. One day, Ramos said, I want everyone back. He didn't have a fucking clue I was. Yeah, I want everyone back who have got a first team mm. number because um, I want to see what the squad is, yeah. what what the squad's saying. Ended up going back and within a week, Mirwall phoned up and said, we want Jamie back for the rest of the season. And... and uh, Gus Poyet came up to me, he was the assistant manager. Who one day brought in, I said, I'm going to go back to me. He went, No, you ain't. You ain't you're not going back. I went, What do you mean? He went, Manager loves you. You're going to no. be involved at the weekend. And I was like, Fuck off. I was like, Oh, <laughs> fucking winding me up. He went, No, you've been training unbelievable. You're fit. He's yeah. massive on fitness. Yeah. Doesn't think the midfield's fit enough, but he sees you and you're fit. And that was it. Weekend, I was involved. I was on the bench at home first game against Manchester City and i was on the bench and i didn't get on but he was he wanted to put me on and i could see you like fuck i've got an opportunity i'm going to play mm. and then the following week we played against portsmouth away at uh, Fratton park and yeah that's just when all my dreams come true really yeah. yeah what was that i mean what was that like that must be a crazy moment i mean i i don't really talk i only really ever talk about it in a podcast you know yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. but it's a moment that lives forever And when I talk about it, I get emotional about it (laughs) because it is the ultimate moment for any person who wants to be a footballer. Like my dream was to play for Tottenham. I'd gone through all that hardship. I'd lost my mum. I'd gone through family problems, you know, trying to fight through that situation, sticking together as a group. My dad dedicating his whole life to try and get me to a point. And that was that point. Yeah, I was warming up. One day Ramos, Gus Poirier, shout down to the line. I'm a tight Fratton Park. We were playing. Um, and he's like, Jamie, you're coming on. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to actually walk on a football pitch in the Premier League for Tottenham in f- yeah. f- Hotspur. Like, my, like this is like, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't care what anyone says, you can have many fuck ups in life, and I've had plenty of them, <laughs> right? Well, I walked on a football pitch for my boyhood club and i never forget that moment, goosebumps, walking on the pitch, turning around, seeing my family in the crowd. My dad was there, my auntie was there crying their eyes out yeah. and I could always spot my family in the crowd I could always I could always where I, mean, I remember it was where I was at Fratton Park where I was at some dog and duck cup or I was playing at Wembley for some reason I could just always spot where my family were I guess sometimes
1: though, things like a Premier League debut you don't want to see him because you're like oh I might get all emotional here I need to keep it I together. did get emotional I, yeah, yeah. I was
0: emotional I was, <laughs> I'm thinking F- I'm emotional walking on the pitch but like when you walk on the pitch, everything changes. You go into a different mindset. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you, as soon as you walk across that white line, and that for me, walking over the white line for me was always like fo- that football pitch was my sanctuary. Mm. Like all my problems just mm. disappeared. Now, however, in life, different stages in life that I've had where I've had off the field incidents and problems or I've been down, as soon as I walked onto a football pitch, I just always felt at ease. I just always felt comfortable. And the debut went amazing. I set up one of the, we set up, we won 2-1. I set up one of the winners. Um, and next the next week, I started against Arsenal. Wow. At the Emirates. Wow. Which was my full debut for Tottenham, which yeah. was just, again... Unbelievable, you know.
1: I'll get back to my conversation with Jamie in a second. Before I do, I just want to quickly let you know that if you're a business owner, marketer, entrepreneur, you're running ads online, and you want significantly better results than what you're currently getting, my business can help you do that. We create, manage, and optimize ad campaigns for our clients. If you're interested in finding out more, you can click on the link in the video description below. That'll take you through to a page on our website where you can book in a free call with one of my team members. Hopefully, we get a chance to work together. Were you like? Was it one of those where sometimes you want these things to happen, but you want them? So so much that you're really nervous, and you're almost sort of conflicted a bit. Like I really want to play, but I'm nervous. Was there any of that, or were you just like, no, just chuck me in there? I'm good to go. I want to do it. I was always just throwing me in the deep end. Right, yeah. I've, I've I've been like that with everything.
0: Throw me in the deep end, and I'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, like I still think I could play in the Premier League now. <laughs> now just throw me in, give me 20 minutes, I'll do a job. <laughs> Warm up, <All laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <good. laughs> um and I was, I never football was my talent. That's all I ever knew. You know, like I I, I didn't know anything else, mm. and. I was always kind of just tunneled vision. When I was young, I was just so tunneled vision. And I look back now and I'm like, I'm kind of proud of myself really, because there's, you see it a lot where you see footballers who are good footballers, and I knew loads of good footballers, but didn't make it because they didn't have that tunnel vision. Right. Yeah. I had a drive and a determination from a young age to, I didn't really have too many friends. I didn't have many friends. I didn't hang out. I didn't go out. I didn't drink. Mm. I was never seen out. That changed when, <laughs> changed when I got a big contract, but... Um, <laughs> I was very tunnel-visioned into being like, when I walk on a football pitch, I'm going to do it. I didn't give a f- who I was playing against. I was going to be better than you. And then, obviously, I played against Paul Scholes and Gerard and Ronaldo and realised, yeah, I'm not that good.
1: <laughs> you finally <laughs> reached a point where you weren't the best yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in the game. I still yeah, thought yeah. I was. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I still thought I was, but yeah, I mean, you know, when, once you realise you come up against, you know, Steven Gerrard, Paul Scholes. The best in the world. The best in the world. Yeah. You know, Ronaldo. You know, I actually played well against Ronaldo. I only scored two goals that day. So, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, there was a few moments where I've played against players where I'm like, you yeah. know, right, this is a different level. So so once you got to that point then, you must be thinking, I'm going to be playing for Spurs for the next 10 years. Yeah. This is me. I'm going to, I don't know, 400 appearances or whatever. Yeah. Um, is that what you were thinking? And then obviously it didn't quite go like that. no. Tell me about that that next stretch then. How, how so, did that go? Yeah, I mean,
0: obviously that's it. Your, your, your dreams made, really, and then it's like, right, what's the next goal? Mm. And you know, as I got older, I started to do visualizations and manifesting stuff, and you don't you don't realise actually when you're a kid a lot of you don't realize how how much visualizing you're doing when you're being a footballer you know like you're, that, right. that vision the tunnel vision to yeah. you're visualizing a goal i'm going i used to dream about being a footballer i used to dream about playing for tottenham i used to dream about football matches before they even happened yeah you know i this that, like that's what used to happen when you're a kid you don't realize what that is you're
1: not thinking you're doing some sort of you're, technique to no there's no technique you yeah, just yeah. you're
0: just doing it but actually that you are you're manifesting what you're going to be doing mm. as you move on. And I think the problem I had was I reached the goal right. of what my childhood was, was to be a footballer. So once I reached the goal, I needed to set another goal, but I, and I didn't. It was then mm. the goals changed for me a little bit. I loved, I was playing, I, I was made it, I was a part of the squad. I got a, a really nice contract, Tottenham put me on, a I think it was a four, five-year deal. 25 grand a week yeah you know i'm 21 years of age you know i'm getting a million pound a year yeah. and all of a sudden it's like um what am i gonna do with this you know like where are we going and that's kind of where maybe i look back and go i took my eye off the prize a little bit and look i was i was still involved at tottenham i was playing but harry redknapp coming in one day Ramos has got the sack harry redknapp coming. in and I'll never forget how Redknapp come up to me the first day. I'll never forget it. Come up, put his arm around me. Said, "Do well for me, son. I'll make sure you get a right good contract." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he said, "You're on shit money compared to some of the others." At the time, I was on like seven grand a week, right? Okay. Which is amazing money, but yeah, in the and in the age, Peter Crouch and Defoe were there on sixty grand a week. Yeah. So you know, I, he was like, put, he put, and he, and he did, and you know what? I did. I done well for him. I was involved. You know, I had some really good moments, Carabao Cup semi-finals and, you know, I was involved in the team all the time, not starting every week, but I was always involved. And he gave me that big contract, 25 grand a week. And that's when things, I would say, potentially changed in terms of my tunnel vision broadened out to...
1: Different acts, you know, different different things. But other things that like caught your eye and yeah, yeah. women. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. that age. You've got all that money. Yeah, you've got the attention. Inevitable. Yeah, like yeah, of course. So many people go down that road, don't they? Of course, I,
0: I yeah. never forget the moment when I started for Tottenham. All of a sudden, all the girls that used to not talk to me because they didn't have a <laughs> fucking clue I was and just thought I was a, like some little idiot from Dartford. Yeah, saw me playing for Tottenham at you know <laughs> yeah. at, at Wembley and and at the Emirates, and all of a sudden they start messaging again and. Yeah. It becomes very much like you are a rock star. Yeah, I felt like a rock star. Yeah, you know, and all of a sudden I'm buying a, you know a million pound house. Mm. I'm driving around in you know a, a Range Rover Sport, you yeah. know, which you know, and I'm I'm looking to think right, what can I spend? And instead of being at home with me mates playing table tennis, I was now going Nobu and, and and going to top restaurants and going out partying and. I was still very dedicated,
1: but when I look back, I wasn't, I, 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 took my, I took my half the prize. You said your dad was really important in getting you to be in a professional in the first place. At that time, was he a voice saying to you, you've got to calm it down, keep your no. focus, or is he letting you do your thing at that point? My,
0: I never listened to my dad. Right? Right. I mean, like, I loved him. I love, it, like, I love him to death,
1: right? Okay. He's my, my best mate. He still
0: yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can listen to him. You know, <laughs> I like he, 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 he dedicated his life to get me to where I'm that point. Yeah. But I was like, F- off, dad. You know, the, the person I listened to the most was my mum. Right, okay. My mum passed away and that, yeah. she, you know, she died of cancer when I was 17, when I was just on the verge of making it. And that kind of broke me. I realised further down the line how much that affected me and put me into um, a state where I was kind of, it, it gave me, it was a blessing and, and, and also kind of as I got older, it was a, it, it was a bad thing because... It gave me the tunnel vision to be like, no one's fucking stopping me. I'm, right. g- I'm going to make it as a footballer. Yeah. You know, for my mum, that's it. I'm. Gonna, no one's getting in my way. I will go through anyone. Yeah. And, but what it didn't do is when I got all the fame and I got the, the money, I didn't have any guidance. I had no guidance at all. Okay. You know, like I didn't have someone saying to me, you shouldn't be doing that or, you know, fucking get your head straight. Yeah. You know, my mum used to give me a little pinch under the arm when I was a kid and be like, fucking sort yourself out. Right. You know, like, and yeah. I... And I lost that when when I lost my mum, and my dad was very much obviously there supporting me. Yeah. But he was going through, of course, you know, really hard times. He, well. he lost his he lost his wife yeah. right for thirty years. We were a proper close family. Yeah. You know, we were me, my brother, my mum, my dad, and we had a family network around us. But we were one right. team, and he went through a really bad time. And you know, there was lots of times where. You know, I'm playing a game on the Saturday and I'm thinking about my dad driving down to Dover and he's going to drive off a cliff. Right. You know, okay.
1: so we were going through, you know, a really difficult spell. And and this is at the same time, really, that you're becoming this professional footballer, becoming this rock star. You yeah. have so much to deal with. in So much all, pressure. All in a very short period of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was literally like the biggest amount of pressure on someone's shoulders who really... I'd always just been a kid yeah like, I, you know like I, I I didn't come from like a, a broken background I had an amazing upbringing you know I was protected by my family yeah um and you know I'd kind of always you know kind of always been really easy to go through life and just concentrate on football and all of a sudden yeah I you know there was obviously lots of issues going on behind the scenes and and reasons where I was burying my head in the sand and you know, trying to get through and trying to live a, a life, and which was making trying to make myself happy. And in fact, really, I'd lost my mum to cancer, and you know, I was I was really down about it, and you know, I missed her, and she had she didn't get to see me become yeah. that famous footballer. Yeah. She she died just before
1: that moment. That must have been tough. I mean, if you'd have been ten years older, not only would you have been able to deal with it probably a lot better, just because you're that much more mature. Yeah, and also you'd have had those moments where your mum does get to see you. Yeah. And the, obviously the sacrifice that she will have put in as well as your dad of to course. get you there. Yeah. yeah that must've been really difficult.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a killer. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was literally like I'd got to 17 years of age with a family support network and then lost that, that key member. Yeah. And I had to then kind of figure it out on my own from there. And, you know, I've done all right. Yeah. <laughs> I've done all right. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like I, I figured it out. Yeah. Um, in in football sense, you know, I made it and had a, 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 an amazing career in terms of where I'd come from. You know, and I always say this like, if you make it in the Premier League, you know, there's so many people that play in the Premier League, and there's, you know, pundits, even myself, ah, if he's, you know, he's not good enough, right? Yeah. As a footballer, I respect anyone that's made it as a professional footballer at the highest
1: level. Such that because upper crust, isn't it, to it, just even get there? It's so not, five minutes.
0: Not point, not one percent of yeah. people ever make it to be yeah. a footballer, and they're people that play football. Yeah. So out of the people that even play football, 0.01% one percent of them make it. Yeah. And so, so, so to be that percentage, whether you're good enough or not, you've made it. Yeah. So someone's thought you're good enough to give you that opportunity to play in the Premier League, and that. Is an unbelievable achievement, mm. and I always respect any footballer that's you know dedicated themselves and sacrifice that they've made to get to that point. And whether they and the ones that keep going and keep pursuing and, and win and go on to be you know world class players, they're just unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like they're you know what achievements they've they've got, and it's not easy, you know, because there's so many setbacks you have to go through, so many things you have to overcome to get through it. And you know, there's so many times when you can throw the towel in and think, fuck. Oh, I'll do something else. Yeah, you know, one of my best mates is still my best mate now. Played alongside me at Arsenal. He's a centre midfield player. He's a really good player. Played all the age groups same as me. We we're the two best players. He never made it. Yeah, but I did because I just had the vision. I had the tunnel vision.
1: And he did. He he didn't. He lost his way. He maybe had his head turned or whatever earlier than what you did. Yeah. you'd already got to the point yeah. where so you were established.
0: The, yeah, so by the point where I was kind of taking my eye off the prize, yeah. I'd already given myself a platform to be a professional footballer by that point you know I was going to I was going to have a career in football Um, I could have had a better career and I should have had a better career Um, but I'd already given myself the chance that you know someone else would have took a chance for me
1: do do you think at that point where you're maybe not as focused as you were there should have been someone at the club Mm. trying to be that person who's like, I mean, you mentioned Harry Redknapp, put his mm. arm around you. You yeah. think he should have maybe done a bit more, or someone else should have done a bit more and been like, "Come on, pal, this is like, you know, we've seen this road before. Yeah, we know what this looks like. If you do it this way instead, you'd be better off with a long." I run. think there were,
0: there's not, it wasn't at the time as much there is now. Like right. now, there, I think there's a lot better support network, but you still see it. Yeah, the yeah. players who completely fuck it up. Trade yeah. Jaden Sancho Deli Ali. You know, like you see these players who have that rise to stardom and then they just fall off a cliff because they don't know how to deal with what they've got. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess I was kind of... look. Maybe I needed a father figure in Mm. in the game at that time. And um, I kind of felt... Harry Redknapp was that at the start for me.
1: He's he's seen as that character, isn't he? Yeah, and he was. And he
0: really was that for me at the start. He he did have his arm around me. Um, But, you know, he's not my dad. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's the manager of a football club, and he's yeah. got to get results. And I wasn't pulling my weight. And then he saw me going out with Daniel Lloyd, getting pictured out at fucking Nobu. Yeah. A day after a game, and and he started to look, and he, he gave me some, he gave me some warnings. Yeah. He gave me warnings. You know, there was a few times when I was playing, and then he saw a picture of me or saw a picture of me out, and next day I was training with reserves. Right. You know and when you're young you can't kind of have a bit of an arrogance to you oh fuck off it's fine i can yeah, do what I want. i'll deal with it i yeah. no, i'm not you know i'm in a relationship with someone who's in a higher profile i'm not doing anything wrong you know like i'm not partying i'm not going yeah. out getting drunk and falling out of nightclubs i'm just going out for meals but i am getting pictured out right and in that that time it was very it was frowned upon it's different now it's frowned upon i think back then it was a bit like nah don't don't want that managers did, didn't want it I think now because footballers are so big now, you kind of have to accept it. Yeah. Like it's, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but it was at that time, it was still very much like, No, you can't get away with that. And I I made the mistake of falling into that trap.
1: Mm. So you mentioned obviously like as your career went on, you had some setbacks. One that comes to mind would be Carabao Cup final, miss a penalty. Oh, was that Fucking hell? Is that so that reaction is that something that's still like it's still a sleepless nights over it? Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still think about that moment and think, you wanker. <laughs>
1: did, it, did it affect you, like, in the immediate aftermath of that? Uh, no. Like, day-to-day, no? No,
0: I mean, obviously, I lost sleep. Like, right. I didn't sleep for two weeks. Wow. Um, after it, because I was just like, I, you know, I've, I've got to that point of being able to take a penalty. And, I mean, I'll never forget the moment, because... I helped get the club there in the first place. In, yeah. the, in, the, in the semi-final. yeah, semi. yeah, yeah. The yeah. semi-final against Burnley was probably my best game for Tottenham. I come on at half-time. We were losing 1-0 in the first leg. I come on at half-time, s- scored one, set up two. We won the game 3-1. That's what got us to the final. Yeah. I ended up getting injured in the second leg. And that really put me in doubt of whether I'd be able to be involved uh, in the final. But Harry Redknapp said to me after that game, he said, get yourself fit. Even if you're 80, percent I'll put you on the bench mm. and I'll give you some minutes because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. Okay. And he did. Yeah. You know, I wasn't 100% fit. Right. But it comes to the, that game we played Manchester United. It was a tight affair, and he put me on, and he gave me an opportunity to get on the pitch. And I never, I never forget it. He had an amazing reception from the fans because mm. they understood the situation. And I got on, and obviously went to penalties. And I remember going up to Harry Redknapp. He got us in the huddle. He wants to take a penalty. i put my hand up straight away. Mm. I was like, I'll. I'll Gaffer, I'll take one. No problem. And he was like, okay. I said, I'll take the first one. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, what the fuck am I <laughs> What are you doing? Like, my legs just went like legs. Yeah. Like, that walk to take oh. that penalty. Like, because you, you obviously you're having to wait for the moment for the yeah. ref to come and, you know, take take the spot. And then you're, you're, you're obviously then all of a sudden, your eyes open up to re- the realisation of actually what you're about to do. And I was like, fuck, you know, Tottenham won, you know, for Man United, it was every year. Yeah, yeah, You know, but you're coming up against a juggernaut, you know, and I'm now going to step up to take a, pe- a penalty, which was the biggest moment of my career. And yeah, I felt like I was on a fucking travelator walking up to take that pen. You know, I, I, was, no- I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous. And I picked my spot. And, you know, Ben Foster made a really good save. I didn't blaze it over the bar. It was, a, you know, it was, a, it was a half decent... If the keeper goes the other way, you'd say it's a great penalty, but yeah. it goes that way, makes a save. And oh my God, my heart sunk. Yeah. Honestly, I just wanted to sink into the floor at Wembley. I'd never felt so distraught in my whole life. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. And David Bentley then missed as well. Man United scored all, all of theirs and, and they won. And I never... It was the most painful feeling as a footballer I've ever felt. It was yeah. just absolute agony. Like I'd love like any moment you'd want to take back in life, you'd want that moment again. Mm.
1: Fucking Ben Foster. <laughs>
0: Have you spoken to him about it afterwards since? Um, no, but I, I've, I've seen him on Talk Sport a few times and he, he's had a bit of a laugh and he's like, yeah, it was easy save. I've, I've seen him dig me out. But it was at the time where all of a sudden they started having the iPads of previous penalties. Yeah. And I took a few for England. I took a few on loan. So he had five penalties of mine, and I think 80% of my penalties, I'd always wrap it with my left foot, Right. you know, because that felt like the right technique to wrap across it. That was going to give me the power to go into that corner. He, he already knew. Yeah. He, he knew where I was going. He, he knew. And he said to me, I knew where he was going. I was like, yeah, cheers. Thanks, mate. Brilliant. Just missed a penalty at Wembley because yeah. of you. Um, so yeah after that I couldn't take a penalty after that really like, it fucking affected me I don't even like taking penalties in a charity game now
1: <laughs> little exercise, yeah know. like nah.
0: no, I'm like now nah, go on someone else take it because that <laughs> feeling of missing a penalty has haunted me yeah it, the, the pain I feel every time I go and take a penalty now and I've stepped up in charity games or whatever I go instantly go back to that moment yeah of you missed that penalty at Wembley and that's
1: something you can never get away from right? wow. at least you were there in the first place to be able to do it yeah know, and you know amazing. what I look
0: back and I go the, the fans reception I'll never forget it the fans reception the week after because I cried my eyes out it, it really hurt me and yeah. i never forget the fans reception afterwards that they they really got behind me like they really they, you know I had a stand ovation at the next home game they really got behind me and they knew that I was distraught and you know obviously they, they supported me through that that time and I had the bollocks to stand up there you know like yeah the, yeah you yeah. know like there was probably better penalty takers in the team at the time we were on the pitch who didn't put their hand yeah, up yeah yeah you know, so at least I had the the balls to be like, I'll I'll do, I can it. do it. You know, I was only what, I think it was twenty-one, twenty-two. Mm. I was a young lad, so to have the balls to stand up there and yeah. take one shows the character and I you know, wish I was wish I was more of a pussy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and said no. So um obviously, so how long are you at Spurs after your debut then? How long would it be total?
0: I think I maybe had three two or three seasons at Spurs. And then I kind of fell out with Harry Redknapp a little bit and yeah. I ended up going on loan to Portsmouth. Yeah. Um, which was amazing because basically I was in and around the, the, the team at, at Tottenham with Harry. Um, I had a really good pre-season what, Just quickly on,
1: like you said you fell out with him. Why? Um, he didn't play me. Right. Right, which is... You know, Always going to yeah, be like, an you know, issue. Yeah, it wasn't
0: like a massive... And, yeah, yeah. I f- uh, he, yeah, he, he didn't play me. He was playing Tom Huddleston. We'd signed Luca Modric. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, I knew my time Future was... Future Yeah, I was like, you know, I thought my time might be limited here with, yeah. with him coming in. Yeah. But I was fighting for my place with him. Him, Gareth Bale, Genus, Huddleston. You know, we had a really good team. Yeah. And I was always in that kind of realm of left side, left midfield. I could play left back or left side of a centre, you know, mid. And so I was fighting for that little area. And I I was, I'd play one in three, one in four. I wanted to play every week. Mm. So, you know, I knocked on on Harry's door and I just said, look, I I can't sit on the fucking bench anymore. Like, I want to go and play. I need to play. I want to get some, I need to get some appearances. I want to play Premier League football. I'm good enough.
1: So you pushed the move. So I pushed the move.
0: Um, And he didn't want me to go. He wasn't like, yeah, see you later. He didn't want me to go. Um, But he allowed me to go. So Mm. I went, I had a three month loan deal to start with uh, Portsmouth, who were in the Premier League at the time, yeah. um, made that move happen, and literally the week I signed, fucking Luka Modric broke his leg. <laughs> he fractured his fibia, and ha- wow. and Harry Redknapp was getting asked, "How have you let Jamie O'Hara leave yeah. with no recall clause?" So I'm now sat at Portsmouth. Because of, because of my stubbornness to not wait and not have any patience. I never had any patience in life. Luca Modric gets injured for three months. So I could have been starting. Yeah. I could have been playing. I had to just take it on the chin. The emergence of Gareth Bale happened after that, right? Gareth Bale, he played Benoit Asuokoto at left back. And because I wasn't there, he pushed Gareth Bale up to left midfield. Mm. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you know what I mean? And then when Luca come back, he played Luka Modric centre mid. Because Luca was playing on the left. Right and he was playing Genus and Huddleston. So what happened right. was Gareth Bale come, the emergence of Gareth Bale happened, Luke Modric come in centre-mid and all of a sudden Tottenham were unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So I was like I'm never getting in this fucking team. <laughs> I might as well start Portsmouth. Um so I ended up staying at Portsmouth. I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I loved it down there. Brilliant. Fans were amazing. I was playing week in week out. You know, I was the star man. Mm. You know, I was I was the one being talked about all the time. And it was just like, yeah, it was it was a really really good time, and we ended up getting to an FA Cup final that season, and it was
1: you know incredible. Yeah, and then the time comes to fully move on from yeah Tottenham. Yeah, that must have been hard.
0: Yeah, so I, I had a, I, I had I had a decision to make because I, I got injured after uh, the Portsmouth after the FA Cup final. I actually played in the FA Cup final with a fractured spine. Wow. So I had two. So I've got two. Titanium screws and a rod in my spine. Right. Um, I had to have surgery. I they took bone marrow out of my hip, packed it in my back. I open back surgery. I do. um, Does that give you any trouble
1: now? Yeah. 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 yeah a yeah. lot, or changed my career. Yeah. Okay.
0: I, I, it completely changed the 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 way I played, yeah. the way I run. The injuries that I sustained after that were right. kind of all th- to do with my back.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So I had that surgery after Portsmouth. I was out for like nine months. Come back, I went on loan to Wolves, done really well, scored a goal in the last day of the season to help keep us up in the Premier League. And then they come in and said Mick McCarthy phoned me and was like, Look, we've made an offer to Tottenham, they've accepted the bid do you want to sign? And I was like, How much pay me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a fair enough question. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I was like, look, I you know, I was on decent money at Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't mess and to be fair to Wolves, they didn't mess about. Yeah. They offered me a five year contract. 45 grand a week um it was you know life-changing money it's almost
1: that's a 10 million pound contract if my mental mental, Um,
0: it was i think it worked out because the appearance fees obviously weren't guaranteed you had to play. okay the the guaranteed sum over five years was 8.8 million right yeah and i never forget it sat in the belfry i met my agent there he'd obviously gone and had the meeting with Wolves I sat in the bell for him. He said, he wrote down on a, a napkin. Never <laughs> like, like in a film or a TV yeah, show. a napkin. He went, <laughs> 8.8 million. He handed it to me and went, do you want to run that for the next five years? Yeah. And I was
1: like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> Over. <laughs> Over. Thinking
0: I'm set. Yeah. So I was like, that's it. I'm set for life. Yeah. Right. So that was it. I, I moved away from Tottenham, moved on from them. Um, I was gutted. Because I was, I loved Tottenham, right? Mm. But I felt like the time was right for me to move on. Um, in hindsight, maybe I look, I still had three years left at Tottenham. You know, I should have, maybe I could have gone back and fought for my place. You know, and do you think you should have? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because after that was, it was an absolute fucking disaster. My career just spiraled out of control. Yeah. Um, so I never ever, the biggest mistake I made was leaving Tottenham. Right. I should okay. never have left because leaving Tottenham to go to Walls. I thought in, that was a good decision, but actually it was a terrible decision. Mm. It was a really bad decision. Um, I moved away from my support network, my yeah. family, my home life, something I've always had. Yeah. And it was the first time I properly moved away from it. And I moved to Birmingham with my partner at the time. And it was a fucking disaster, mm. disaster. And yeah, I'm so I'm, I just, I look back and think, why did I leave? I should have stayed. Do you think that would have
1: still been? Obviously, Wolves didn't do so well after no. you signed for them. No. I'm not saying that's your fault, but, you know. No, it was but, part of my fault. But of course like, it was. do you think that would have been different had you signed for a club that was more stable, was doing better, yeah. was on the up?
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, like at the end of the day, I realised looking back was I went to Wolves with Mick McCarthy on loan and it was good, but I was on loan. Mm. So it kind of was no pressure on me to, you know, stay there. When I signed for them, that was like, right, that's it. You've left Tottenham. So you're now away from the big club. You know, you when you're a young player, and I was still young. I think I was maybe 23,
1: 24. So I was still young. And you feel it was downhill from there career-wise or not as good as it downhill was? Downhill. I fell off a cliff. At that young age as well? I
0: fell off a cliff. Wow. Honestly, my, my, I didn't know where I, it was. A, a wow. Yeah. I mean, I got injured. So I signed for Wolves in the first 16 games we were playing. And I'd done okay. I was playing all right. Wolves promised me I was the marquee signing for mm. Wolves, right? Because I was, you know, coming from Tottenham is a big deal. Yeah. But Sp- yeah, I yeah. sat down with Mick in the summer and he said, We're going to sign this, 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 him, him, and him, and him. We're going to have six, seven players and we're going to kick on, yeah. right? That's what we're going to do. We signed one player, we signed Roger Johnson. Right. So it was me and Roger Johnson had come in. And, you know, Roger was a good player, he was all right. But I was, you know, we needed five or six. Yeah signings to be able to compete that season you know they just stayed up I scored in the last day of the season to help keep us up Yeah, we stayed up on goal
1: difference you really need to kick on so you, like if you want to stay
0: in the Premier League you had to strengthen yeah. right and we didn't and it ended up just being an absolute shit show I got injured because of my back I ended up getting groin tendonitis, so I played 16 games at the start of the season got injured didn't play again and I was having injections in my groin I was doing everything I could just to try and get out on a football pitch. And I started playing, I was playing shit. Yeah,
1: You
0: know, every time I played, people didn't, obviously people didn't know what was going on behind yeah. the scenes, but I would, I was, you know, 10 minutes before I walk out, I'm in the doctor's room with a steroid, getting injected into my groin just to numb the pain for 90 minutes. And then I'd walk off the pitch after 90
1: minutes, I can't walk. For five days. How often do you think that's the case? When we see a player who's been playing really well, all of a sudden has a drop in four. Every week. Is it? But is is that is that so often going to be an injury that's causing that? And well, we I just mean, don't know about I it. I mean, there's so many. Of course, there's so many
0: different things. Yeah, injuries. Yeah. You know that that you you, you know you see it now. It, the, every player's playing on an injury. Yeah. No one's ever a hundred percent. Yeah. Like no one. Um, it's just how how low they're going and what the, I think now players you know at that that time. The player power with the physios and the manager was, mm. give me the fucking injection, I'm playing. Yeah. Okay. Now they say no. They're like, no. There's a lot more welfare in terms of you know looking after players and and what's acceptable and what isn't. But it was like the wild west. I was getting an injection every game to train yeah. and. Come on! I mean, what I was just numbing yeah. a massive problem. Your body is telling you,
1: and you've then you got make it because you can't feel the damage you're doing. Then
0: I was making it worse every single game, but to the point where I was out for nine months. I had three surgeries. I had two double hernia surgeries. I had a groin surgery. That both of them didn't work. So I come back, done three months physio to get back. Walked out on the football pitch, kicked the ball, still in pain. Another surgery, back three months, the same again. It was mm. terrible. Um, and by that point Wolves got relegated out of the Premier League yeah I'm still injured so I'm like right so now I'm playing in the championship um, and I'm sat there like I'm injured and I'm in the championship this is not where I wanted to be yeah I was having a bit of a nightmare off the field in terms of my you know my marriage and that I wasn't happy and things are going on and I was just spiraling out of control I come back tried to get fit we got relegated again (laughs) And I was like, yeah. f- and, and, and the problem was, was I was getting the blame for all this because I was the marquee signing and I'd come back and I wasn't, I wasn't playing well. I wasn't mm. fit. Yeah. I wasn't fit. I was nowhere near fit enough to be playing week in, week out to the level where I needed to be. And, you know, it, it, it ended up just being an absolute disaster. We got, th- we got relegated again to League One. On the last day of the season, we played Brighton away. and We had to win by like three goals. We were 2-0 down after half hour. So it was just an absolute nightmare. And I didn't handle myself well in that situation. There was a few things I did where I looked back and made some big mistakes. And, you know, I'd look back and go, I shouldn't have said that. A couple of interviews I said, I shouldn't have said that. Um, and then, yeah, I never forget at Brighton, we played, the Wolves fans were cheering to me, 40 grand a week, you're having a laugh. And I'm like, what they, they didn't understand what I was going through. Yeah. I was yeah. out on a football pitch, I knew I wasn't fit, but I wanted to be out there for the team. I was trying to be out there to, you know, showcase my talent for one and two, help the help the team try and stay in the championship because it was a disaster. Yeah. There was twenty two other players out there who yeah. weren't performing, but I got singled out. And I remember them singing that to me and I just was like, Yeah, oh yeah, well done. <laughs> Fucking hell that went down like a lead balloon <laughs> I bet <laughs> a lead balloon because what they didn't realise was, was I had a I had a, a 30% wage cut from the Premier League so I wasn't on 40 grand a week yeah 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 I was on 25 but they've, 20, but they've but seen, but they, seen the headline they from... see it 40 grand a week yeah. that's it you're on 40 grand a week so I'd say yeah yeah of course you know what I'm on That's what. Yeah. that's what I did yeah they saw it as I'm sticking two fingers up to them do you know what I mean and that that was far that was terrible mm. death threats like they wanted to kill me really yeah they wanted to kill me I wasn't even I couldn't even go to the was that
1: was that scary I mean death threats um, is it one of those where you can just go oh that's not serious it's just all bluster or is it like oh wow yeah, it was especially pretty, when you got a family
0: as well it was pretty serious I turned up and they were attacking me outside the stadium I had my son in my hand Bloody do you know what I mean so it was pretty serious yeah. yeah and it was it got to the point where I was like wow I mean I need to just get out of here um, they got relegated to obviously League One and they made a decision to not involve me the next season at all I didn't even have a squad number so there was like six or seven players they had to get off the wage bill um, were you happy with that were you like I'm done
1: with this um, I want no to go of go. course
0: not I, wanted, okay. I wanted to I, I, you know Kenny Jacket actually become the manager right okay. so I'd work with Kenny Jacket at Mirwall he knew I was a good player I come so in so you're thinking okay no, I'm might thinking work out now. Right, I'll go in first day of yeah. you know new, League One deal with it I kept my mouth shut all summer, I got myself fit. So I was actually fit. I come back first day, walked into the, uh, you know, Kenny Jacket says I need to speak to you. I was like, all right, Kenny, how are you? Good to see you again. He said, "Uh, you're not gonna be involved this season. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? He went, no squad number. You're not allowed in the dressing room. And from tomorrow, you've got to turn up at two o'clock in the afternoon to train. You're not allowed to be seen around Wolves. And I was like, fucking hell.
1: I was like, all right. So it wasn't like they, they didn't, like, end your contract. It was, I guess... No, well, I had three years left. So it Right. So they couldn't do that. So they just froze no. you out, basically. Just froze me out. Yeah. So they
0: wanted me gone. Yeah. But the problem that they had and what they didn't realise was I was on a lot of money. Yeah. And obviously the players that had been involved, you know, we got relegated twice. Who's going to sign these players?
1: Yeah, yeah. On these
0: contracts, you know? Like, I had, yeah. to, I had to prove myself again. Yeah. So I tried to sort out some loan deals and there was opportunities to, to go on loan to certain clubs... But I was like, no, I'm better than that. I'm not going to like a League One team again. Mm. Like I've done that. I know where I'm at in terms of my ability. I've been injured. I, I put my stubborn head on and said, no, you fucking going. You've gave me this contract. You have to... They wanted me to just walk away. Yeah. Like for nothing. They were like, we'll let you go for nothing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> hang on. Well, uh, well yeah, no, yeah. that doesn't work like that. Yeah. You gave me a five-year contract. You know, it hasn't worked out for either of us. Mm. And I'm sorry. You know I, I really wanted it to work out yeah. i moved my whole family up here i'm going through shit as well it hasn't worked out what do you want me to do i'm not going to just walk away from fucking 25 grand a week yeah. just because you don't want me anymore i'm gonna have to sit here and you're gonna have to sort it out i've done a whole season of that of that one uh. whole season yeah i didn't go on loan i've done a whole season of not playing football training at two o'clock in the afternoon mm. And were you fit like, then could you have been I playing? was fit right I w- he brought me back in for one game so they was doing okay walls but they had a few injuries yeah and he brought me back in like there was like all the fans were like we've got to get Jamie back you've got a player there who's a Premier League football player a Championship yeah. football player you need to use him yeah he brought me back in for one game and he put me on against oh God, I don't even know who he was playing fuck knows who we were playing there's some team in League One <laughs> And I didn't do anything wrong, but I didn't do anything right. Like, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I, I wasn't like, he it was, it, it was just, he couldn't wait to dig me out. Right. It was like, he unless me back. you came on, scored a hat trick, yeah, danced it, around everyone. Yeah. It was yeah. like, he was expecting me to come on and be Maradona. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? I was like, mate, you, you've used me one game for 20 minutes. And he slaughtered me after the game and addressed me, you're fucking not good enough. I was like, you've brought me back in for one week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, give me a chance. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? I've not played for a year. I hadn't been involved. And after that, I was like, no, nah, fuck you. Right. Yeah, yeah, you fuck off. You're a prick. And, you know, he could never look you in the eye, Kenny,
1: Jacket. He never looked you in the eye. So even when he's having a go at you, he's like looking off. Yeah, the looking
0: house. at you, don't fucking look at you. And I was right. like, no, nah, fuck off after that. I was like, you can, you know, you can do one. You ain't fucking have my back, so I ain't mm. having your back. And that was it then. I was like, nah, go, I'll go back to training at two o'clock in the afternoon, no problem. And then, uh, and then I did. I did. It got to the point where eventually they were like, we've got to sort this situation out. Yeah. Um, and they ended up paying me off. So I actually, people don't know this, I had two years left on my contract, which was worth £2 million, well, £1.8 million, my, my contract was, was left. Yeah, I sacrificed the whole last year of my money
1: wow. to leave. To be able to get out? To
0: get out. Yeah. So I said, you pay me up front this year's money, I'll sacrifice the year after. So I, So I gave up a million quid, basically, to get out of Walls. But they paid me my that contract up front. Because I thought, if, if I leave, I've got an opportunity to go and play somewhere. Yeah. Anywhere. I've got a million pound safety net of what they've paid me. Right. Or it was close. I mean, a million pound gross, right? So I still had to tax the money. Yeah. I had a million pound on my contract, paid up. A million pound I sacrificed. Everyone walked away happy. Walls were you know, doing well again. Right. Everyone had moved on. And I and I was like, I don't care where I go, I just want to play football. I would have gone and played for fucking Sutton Dynamos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just needed to play football. I didn't yeah, care yeah, where yeah. it was, but I need but yeah. I wasn't going to walk away from money for yeah. my family. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had bills to pay. Yeah. I was going through divorce at that time as well. Like it was difficult. Yeah. Um, so I ended up walking away and I went and trained on my own for a few months. Um and actually Harry Redknapp uh phoned me and said he was at QPR at the time mm. in the Premier League and he said do you wanna do you wanna I said Harry I need some help I said I'm struggling right I'm I'm in the shit yeah I'm I'm fucking down I'm depressed I'm going through the vaults I haven't got a club my money's running out I know you're at QPR can I come and train mm. I said you ain't got I don't want no money I don't don't need to offer it. just just can, let just put me in an mm. environment where I feel safe mm. you know where people know me you know me, the coaches know me, let me just come and train. He said, get in the fucking car, I'll see you
1: tomorrow.
0: Yeah, so next day I went down to QPR and I trained with him for three months, every single day and he treated me like a first team player. I was there with Bobby Zamora, Sean Wright Phillips, you know, Carl Henry, some really good lads, proper lads. And they would, and you know, we had a good side there. We had a really good team of people and I trained every day with QPR like I was part of the team and I was like the fucking best player. He used to come up to me after training and be like fuck Jamie you're unbelievable. What? Like he wanted to sign me. Yeah. Like he actually wanted to sign me. But he his roster was full with the 25 players that he could right. sign. Okay. So he couldn't he couldn't physically sign me because yeah, yeah. he, he, he didn't have any space. Um he said train with me until you get something sorted. Right. Lee Clark phoned him from Blackpool he took over at Blackpool. Blackpool were in a shit but I was in the championship. He phoned Harry Redknapp and he said, uh, I've heard Jamie's been training with you. You know, is he fit? He said, get him in the car, mm. get him up to Blackpool, sign him tomorrow. He was like, really? He said, don't even, you, don't, you don't need a trial. Just sign him. I said, I promise you, it'll be the best decision you made. And Harry Rednap doesn't actually realise, and I've told him this in the past, and, you know, he's gave me a hug over it. <laughs> I actually think he saved me life. Wow,
1: really? Yeah, because I was... You were really lost in I was in lost, a bad place.
0: Like, I was lost. I was in a bad way mentally. Because I just it like someone took my legs away from me. Do I mean all I wanted to do was play football, and I I had no, I didn't have a house. wasn't allowed back to my house. I was going through divorce. Yeah, I had nowhere to live. I was going back to my dad's. I was staying in hotels. I was just didn't know where I was going Mm -hmm. from day to day. Turning up at QPR training and then didn't know where I was going afterwards. Yeah, and him helping me through that period and just giving me the chance to go and be in a decent environment. I actually believe saved my life because I was actually getting to points where there were times when I was leaving walls and I was with no club and they paid me up and I was driving around in the car down the motorway thinking I could drive off a bridge here and not even care. Wow. I was in a really bad place and he really helped me through that period actually, Harry, without even realising. He, yeah, he, he got me back to a point where I started giving, I started enjoying football again.
1: And I imagine that not everyone would have done that in his situation because he didn't really get any benefit out of it, no, did he?
0: No, no, no benefit at all. Yeah, yeah. There was no benefit for him in any way. He just done it. Couldn't sign you and couldn't
1: sign me. Just, just wanted to. Help he just you wanted out. to help me. He just
0: he knew me. Yeah, he knew I was a good lad. Yeah, and he saw a perception of me which was in the media, which he didn't believe was right and wasn't me. And he knew I was a good kid because mm. and he yeah he he got no benefit out of that whatsoever. But he treated me like I was one of his star players. And that for me was, you know, life-changing because it, it, it helped me get to a point where I got back on the football pitch for Blackpool and I signed for Blackpool and I got player of the season.
1: So looking back at your your playing career, um given what you've said, it's probably fair to say you don't feel like you reached your potential. No. Is that mainly injuries? Could think, it have
0: been different? I think injuries were what a massive factor. I yeah. think obviously the, the, the broken back was... Was a was a was a you know changed the way I played. I couldn't run as fast or as quick. I wasn't as yeah. sharp or mobile as I was before that injury. Um, there was obviously that factor, but then there was other factors as well in terms of lifestyle changes, the way I acted off a football pitch, and mm. the, the lifestyle that I was living, um, and decisions that I was making. Maybe were, um, you know, not not tunnel vision decisions, you know. Right. I was opening myself up to criticism with you know all the time with uh you know doing fucking magazine shoots and do you know what I mean? Right. Okay magazine <laughs> you know I'm like what am I doing <laughs> like, what am I doing? You know? Like thinking that I was David Beckham, right? I'm not David Beckham. Okay. You know, I'm not playing for Man United. <laughs> I'm not going out with Victoria Beckham. Right? You know what I mean? So I made some some bad calls, but when you're in here at the time you, you don't you don't see it's only when yeah. you you look back, or you, you you look from the outside in, realise what a dickhead you look like. <laughs> so
1: like. You look, you're like, what are you doing? But I don't think anyone could look back at their journey, no matter how successful they've been, and not think, if I'd have changed that, yeah, if I'd have changed that, it would make a big difference. Yeah,
0: and you know, I, people talk about like my potential, you know. Really, I should have played for England. Like with the potential that I had in terms of age groups that I played and yeah. how good I was, and and you know the, the 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 stature that I had as a young player in in the country was, you know, one of the best, the top five, you yeah. know, in the country. So in terms of potential, yeah, I didn't reach it, but I also reached a point where I still had a really good career. Yeah. You know, I played for Tottenham, I played for Portsmouth, I played in an FA Cup final semi-finals, Carabao Cup finals, you know what I mean? I represented under-21s, you know, I'd played a lot of games in the championship, you know, like, I still made a career out of something that, you know, was from nothing. Mm. So in terms of, yeah, I, I could have been better, I should have been better if I, you know, didn't get as injured as much as I did, I had a lot of bad injuries, and then, you know, then, and yeah, and different decisions that you make, little decisions that could have took you in a different direction, but I think everything sets you up for where I am now, mm. and you know I look back and people ask me and go, "Hey, uh, you know, could have done this, could have done that." Right? I've had a journey and I've had an unbelievable life so far, yeah. and it's put me in a position where I kind of always wanted to be. You know, I'm in a great position now, so. so I wanted to
1: move on to that actually about so talk sport in, in particular. How did that come about? Um, I I just done Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got, I got asked... Well, okay, well, let's start with that then. Why did you do that then? Why did you do that? Like, um, just, that's the... Uh, well, I needed order. the fucking money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I needed the money. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, I'd, I'd, I'd gone for a divorce, which cost me a lot of... You know, cost me a few quid. Like, yeah. You know, it cost me over nearly £2 million. Wow. So... I was I was I was skint. Yeah, I had nothing. I was playing for a house basically, which is in Birmingham where my kids were living in, and I was never gonna you know uh, my whole life was make sure my kids are mm. settled and whatever. Yeah. You know, you move on and do different things, but my kids are everything to me. So, I was paying out for a property which was costing me a fortune, and I wasn't living there. Yeah, and the money was just dwindling, and I hadn't, at the time I didn't have an income. Yeah. I wasn't playing, so. It was just getting out. It was just spiraling out of control. It really was. So that eight point eight million that I was earning was was down to the bare bones.
1: You thought you were set for life, and it, I thought it was, I was set for life. Yeah. And I was
0: spending money where like it went out of fashion. Like right. you know, okay. I was
1: you know, I'd fucking buy
0: whatever I wanted. I'd go on holidays and spend. I'd look after me mates, take my family away. Yeah, you know, I was spending it like it was going to last forever, and that was and that is the I terrible decisions. Yeah, because one you get taxed fifty percent. Yeah. <laughs> so it ain't eight point eight million, it's yeah. four point four million. Yeah. And that four point four million you've got to spread out over thirty years. Because the footballer, you know you're Because you're you're done. Yeah. You're done at 32. You're not yeah. earning any more money. So that four point four million has got to last you forever. Yeah. Because you might not do anything after football. So what are you yeah. doing with that money? Are you investing it? Are you putting it into something that's gonna make money? Is it going to make a profit? You know, and you, and then event, and then so when you retire, you've got something to lean on. Mm. But I didn't do any of that. Mm. I was spending that money. I was buying fucking nice houses. I was buying nice cars, yeah. and I was going on flashy holidays. You know, so I was. I didn't have the guidance. I didn't have the someone telling me what are you doing. I was just spending it how I wanted it, and yeah. I, I, at the time, the partner was. I was with was quite happy to spend it with me and we had a great life and yeah. done some amazing things, yeah. you know, had some nice yachts and not holiday <laughs> and you know, some, some decent holidays in our Beaver with me pals. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've got memories that you think if I did it again, yeah. I'd do it again. But I, I didn't have any money. I, I got to, you know, 32 and I was skinned. I didn't have, a, I didn't have nothing. And, you know, I was scratching around trying to get jobs here and there trying to find something and I got in, off.
1: In what? Was it coaching or? I was trying to find a football team. Oh, you still trying yeah, to play. Yeah, so I was
0: still trying to find a football team yeah, yeah. And, and then this big brother, the big brother, like I was on I was on the cusp of going what direction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. either going to carry on playing football yeah. or you can go and do something different, right? Yeah. And, you know, I never imagined doing big brother, <laughs> you know, like that wasn't what I set out to do when I would finish football. Yeah. But the opportunity came up and they offered me 150 grand, I needed 150. I I needed
1: it when you, yeah. You know I was, you know, and it's not for that. I mean, how? For, how for, long three, weeks. That for? three weeks. Three weeks, right? Go.
0: So, so I wasn't playing, and then so I had the opportunity. So in December they offered me 150 grand to go and do the show on the second of Jan. So I'd done all the filming for it, went through the whole process, and they were really excited to have me on. First, of, I think it was around the 28th of December. I got a phone call from Burton Albion. <laughs> okay, so. Um, if they phoned me up and was like, we need a left-sided midfielder, we, you're free, Yeah. will you come and train? I'm thinking, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> so I've gone up to Burton Albion for two days, trained, ripped it up, flying, trained really well. Did you well. tell them, oh, by the way? They didn't know. right? They had an inkling because it had been in the press that I might have been going into Big Brother. So um, the manager obviously comes up to me and um, he, he says, uh, I want you. I said, I need you. We're in the championship. Uh, I'll play you week in, week out. I'll pay you two grand a week. So it was like mm-hmm. two grand a week till the end of the season till till June. Prove yourself, we'll go from there. So I'm looking at it, thinking, I've got 150 grand guaranteed for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. But I can't tell him I'm going on Big Brother. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to get away with this. So I was like, look, Gaffer, I've I, I, I got to go away. Let me think about it. You know, you can't sign me till the 1st of Jan. Let me speak to my agent. I phoned my agent. My agent, my football agent, didn't know that I had another agent.
1: Right, okay. So
0: this was a media agent who got me this Big Brother thing. Yeah. I phoned him up and he said, right, let's get it done. Two grand a week, your plan. 60, 70 grand to the end of the season. I said, yeah, um, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, I've, I've been up going on Big Brother. And he went, what the fuck are you going on about? <laughs> he was like, I've got you a Burton Album Championship football. Yeah, yeah. You turn it down. You go and play football. I was like, "Yeah, no, you're right. You're hundred. You're great." Right. I said, "But it's hundred and fifty grand. I need it. I've got lawyer fees. Law- lawyer fees to pay." <laughs> so, I, yeah, no, you're right. I turned. I, I was like, "I'm going to turn it down." So I phoned Channel Five, phoned the exec boss. Who I said, "Look, I can't come. I said, I'm not doing it." I went, "Are you fucking winding us up? Well, you're going in in two days. Like you're in. It's yeah. done. The show's set. Your contract signed. You can't." I was like, "No, I'm not going. You can't force me there. I'm not going." I'm going to sign for Burton Albion and they went how much I pound? I went two grand and she went that's oh, 60 grand and I went yeah but I'll never play football again after that
1: mm. I'll
0: never play professional football because no one's going to take me seriously so like, she was like what can we it's like we really really want you on here like you've got to do this we really want you what can we do and I went you can pay me another 150 grand <laughs> she put the phone down five minutes later she phoned me back up and she went we'll give you 300 grand to turn down Burton Albion wow I went yeah go on then <laughs>
1: Yeah, wow. So I turned down Burton Albion. And you, this wasn't a negotiation tactic. You were genuinely, no, I was, was like, going like, to go. No, it
0: wasn't a negotiation at all. Yeah. I was signing for Burton Albion. Like that that yeah. move was happening. I actually interviewed the manager. Is it uh, Brian Clough or Nigel Clough? One of them, the younger one. Nigel. Nigel. <laughs> Nigel Clough, not Brian Clough. Nigel Clough. He actually come on the show the other day and I hadn't spoke to him right. for years. And they brought <laughs> and obviously talks about talks, about They brought it up. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, we laughed about it. But he didn't talk. He didn't talk to my agent for years over it. And I was, he was gutted because I I, I, I luckily, Burton Albion that season they stayed up in the championship, so I was happy for them that they stayed up. Mm. But yeah, and then that changed everything. Yeah,
1: so I went on Big Brother, and then and everything changed. I mean, going on that, were you? I would be terrified of oh, thinking, how are they going to edit this? What are people going to think of me afterwards? You're yeah. thinking these things as well, but you think, well, I'm going for the money anyway, so I'm going to do it. I
0: was like, you know, I I, I had a bad perception anyway. Everyone right. thought
1: I was a prick, you know, like, <laughs> okay.
0: you know, like, you know, like, but I wasn't, but, but there were people out there, who, you yeah. know, I, I I got done, obviously, you know, love scandals, right, yeah. in, in the papers and, yeah. and all that, and, the perception behind me being divorced, you know, like it was it, it, my, my people who didn't know, really know me properly mm. saw a perception of me that, which I didn't believe was right. So I saw the opportunity to come big brother to change that perception. Right. So people could see the real me, the person I really am. Mm. Okay. You know, I was just going to go on there and be myself. And if people like me and they like me, if they don't, they don't, you know, you can't, can't please
1: everyone. But I knew the perception of me wasn't correct. Okay. You know, there was a lot of shit that was out there in the media about me. So perhaps in that sense you didn't have that much to lose from a perception. No. If people are already not thinking good things about you. No. Worst case scenario, they still don't. Yeah. <laughs> Best exactly. case scenario, you rehabilitate your image somewhat and Exactly. Beneficial. And that's exactly
0: what I went in there for. Yeah. To to kind of change people's perception of me, to just see the real me. And uh, you know, I wasn't going in there to be fake. A lot of people were doing them shows to just go on and, you know, be fake and whatever, just be these fake people, right. and I just went on there and was myself, mm. and it went really well for me. It was amazing in terms of that perception was he's at, you know he's just a nice kid who's had a tough run and yeah. you know he's he's down and you know he's fighting to to keep himself alive and yeah. he's a nice bloke and you know, I think it changed a lot of people's minds and it opened up different opportunities for me after that and that's where the whole kind of then after that the media career started to. You know, started to kind of go in a different direction, and you know, my agent was right. I didn't play professional football after that. Yeah, but I went to Ballyricky and and played non-league football, which was a bit of a story evolved around media and stuff. And you know, that was fun, and I was playing football, but I had my eye
1: on the media stuff where I wanted to go with that. So you're you're doing the Big Brother thing, thinking. You thinking that might be an option afterwards? No, I wasn't
0: thinking anything to be right. honest. Just, with me thought, me like,
1: like, just next, I step. was just like, "Fuck it," you know. Mm. Like I was,
0: you know, let's experience something different. I have played football since I was seven years old, mm. you know. And you know what? I've fallen out of love with the game a little bit, with the politics and where I was at, and how my career dwindled away a little bit, and the money I'd lost. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do something different and go for it. See what happens. What's the worst case? what's going to happen? You do a show for three weeks, forgotten in a week. No one cared. No one really cares.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I was, and worst case was coming out 300 grand richer. (laughs) So, (laughs) and, you know, I'd done it and it went really well and it just opened up and I was still lost. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was still lost. I didn't know know where I was going and where I was going to, what I was going to do. But I just was just, let's go with the flow and see where it takes me. But, I kind of always had a mentality of, I'll figure it out eventually, I'll okay. it, it will fall into place. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and once something that I found a passion for, which was the media in, you know, and doing that kind of stuff, I, that was when it kind of just took off from there. TalkSport gave me an opportunity to come and do a show um, with Adrian Durham at West Ham. Right.
1: And yeah, and it, and it kind of just went from there. Yeah. I was drunk when I done the show. <laughs> really, that first one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you weren't you weren't looking at it as a trial at the time. <laughs> no. You weren't thinking this is a tester, and if it works out, I got a good gig here. It's yeah. Just...
0: <laughs> yeah. I was. I mean, I remember. I laugh with it with with a- Now it was at West Ham, and I'd done an all nighter out in London, and I've turned up up to uh, no at the the new stadium, the West Ham Stadium, uh, the Olympic Stadium, and I was hungover. <laughs> I was hungover. But. I realised I could. I was good at talking. I could yeah. talk football. That. Yeah. I love football. I could talk football. That. Yeah. And it kind of just went from there and it just trickled along. Wasn't doing loads. Wasn't, you know, wasn't in instantly straight away. Mm. Um, but I then kind of found a path. I found the line, you know, like you know, I had like a path line from a young age to be a footballer. And that was yeah. That was my path line and then i would fucking gone off and was all over the place lost where that path was and i kind of brought myself back to a path line which leveled me out you know i stopped going out partying i concentrated on work and become reliable yeah and saw that as a bit of a vision again and that was like right okay that's let's start manifesting that let's start visualizing that future and see where that goes because i like this and this is a passion of mine and i'm, I'm quite good
1: chatting shit so do you think you're a better pundit or a better footballer oh a better footballer oh, <laughs> I, I mean come on I mean <laughs> okay yeah the amount of rubbish that I come out with on a weekly basis mate yeah but isn't that a part of being a pundit because yeah. it's not just to get things right is it it's to entertain it's to
0: yeah of course I mean listen you've got to be controversial to a certain yeah. degree but I always just I always people say to me like do you say these things to, to get clickbait and I'm like no, I just say it, you know, whatever rolls off the just tongue, you know, it. like, and I think that's what people liked with me, especially with Talk Sport. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Talk Sport was very much the white van man, you know, proper football fan. Yeah. Wants to come on and have a rant and say how it is, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and they're hearing it now from, you know, I was going on Jim White show at the time, I was phoning up talking about Tottenham and I was coming on being an ex-Tottenham player. Talking about how shit Tottenham were. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. and they was and they loved it. They were like, We've got a player who's actually opening his a current player who's yeah. still knocking about. It's not like an old player. This is a player who's been in the game who's coming out and saying it how it is because normally they've got mates they don't want to ruffle feathers of course, they're just yeah. not mates saying anything in football, they? yeah. and they're still worrying about their image or yeah. you know what they're going to you know I'm not going to get another club and mm. I don't want to be seen saying this but I have a politically correct answer you know the same old shit that you hear from footballers every yeah. week we go again next week or you know yeah let's you know we do this, we can be better blah 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 all just you know robotic nonsense and you know I gave people honesty I just was saying what I saw and they loved it. You know, I wasn't saying anything that people weren't thinking. I was just saying it how I see it. And TalkSport were like, yeah, I love it. And they were like, right, let's start getting you in more. And that's when I just started going into the studio. And, yeah, it was just that then was just kind of started to take off. And I settled back into a better life. And TalkSport gave me opportunities. And I thanked them so much because they, they you know, they really gave me. And I, the biggest thing I realised was to be reliable, Mm. like just say yes. The money was shit, right? right? It wasn't like I was getting decent money. I was literally doing it for nothing. But it was the fact that it was like, say yes, say yes, say yes. Sky phone me up, TalkSport phone you up. Anyone phones you up to do anything, say say yes you know, because it's going to get you in the door and, and that's and going to give you a pathway into doing that media stuff. And, and in
1: the media side of things, people seeing you is going to help you get other stuff. Of course. So if just, people are seeing you. Compounds and then grows that way. Yeah,
0: and I was like, right, you know, I I was visualising, like, that's it, I had my vision back. That yeah. was I had a, I had my tunnel vision again. Right, this is what I'm doing. It started off at one day a week, and then it went to two days a week. then I was like, right, let's get three or four days a week yeah. of work, you know? How much more can we do? And before you know it, I'm working every day. And then it kind of just went from there. Covid happened, and in Covid, I said to Talksport, I said, "Look, obviously everyone was trying to work from home and all that, but Talksport didn't really want that. They wanted people in the the studio because they it, it needed people to, you know, on the radio and people doing it from all over and from the house. It just didn't sound right." Mm. And I, I, made, and I said, to, I said to them, I said, "Look, I'm available every single day." Right you want me to come in to the studio every single day at any time I'll come in and do a show no problem Mm -hmm. and that in COVID really was when you know people were off yeah yeah furlough and whatever and I was like nah I'll work every single day and I was and I did I basically I was Mm -hmm. going into the studio was doing breakfast show I was doing drive you know I was doing everything and then that's when they really then were like you're part of the company
1: so I've seen a lot of clips on YouTube with you having a heated debate with someone on TalkSport. <laughs> Is there one that really sticks out in your memory? You think, oh, we had a really big argument about that. Um, I mean, I, I have arguments every week with Jason Cundy. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: I'll never... I, I mean, there's been a few moments where I'm like, oh, I dug out Tottenham a couple of seasons ago. And it went down like a fucking lead balloon because... I love Tottenham, right? I love going down there and, you know, I like to be part of it and whatever and I dug out the players and said none of them should be wearing a shirt. The only one who's fit enough to wear the shirt is Harry Kane. Um, The rest of them are a fucking disgrace. You know, like I I went in like for 10 (laughs) minutes. It was a proper rant. and uh, Daniel Levy reached out and was like... Did he? Yeah, and was like, they got one of the people to phone me and was like, nah, not having that. It's not good enough. You play for Tottenham and I was like... (laughs) I, I, I really rattled to feathers. I went to interview Harry Kane and he refused to do an interview with right, me. Okay. Um, because I'd really pissed them off because I dug out the players personally. Yeah. You know, like saying, you are not good enough. You, you, and you, and you were good.
1: I was only saying what people, everyone That's was cool. saying the same thing. The fans are saying
0: that. Yeah, yeah the fans are saying it. Yeah, yeah. I just said it. Yeah. And they saw it as it's disrespectful because I was a player. And that probably was, you know, in my part, you know, yeah, I maybe shouldn't have ma- named names. But it was my job. I mm. said to Tottenham, I said, I'm getting paid to have an opinion, Yeah. and this—that's my opinion. Whether you like it or not, is an opinion. You know, if I don't—if I don't give you my uh, an honest opinion, people are going to see through me, yeah. and I'll be out the door. And you ain't going to pay me. Are you giving yeah. me an ambassador role? Yeah. Are you paying for me to come down to the training ground and be part of the top? No, I need to get paid. So uh, my opinion is that's what I'm saying. And talk sport are paying me for that opinion, and I had to give it. And then they kind—and of, then you know, I've always kind of just try to be pretty honest. I've had, I mean, I have plenty of rows on now. I've had rows with Laura over Arsenal and, you know, I had a, you know, always, but I, I, I see Talk Sport for me. You know, I've done Sky as well, which I love doing Sky, but yeah. Talk Sport was the radio and they were like a team. They was like my Harry Redknapp Talk Sport. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like they got behind me. Good people there. Yeah. You know, family, they, it's a very family orientated place. People start, you know, work there from, being, you know, like on the phones, picking up the phone to, and now being the bosses, mm. you know, like it's a proper family knit company, God. and they they got behind me and they supported me and they pushed me on and they gave me, you know, media training and broadcasting training, and so I've always had a really close knit connection with all of the people I love working with them, and so now it's like, well, I love to have a laugh with Laura and Jason and all that, but we're trying, I'm trying to make it now where, because um, I've gone into the presenting side of it. Which fucking come out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like, how has this happened? Um, and now it's like I've just tried to create a, where I, I, I love the family network of everyone. So now it's like, it was like a little talk sport network of us, Laura and Ali and Alan and yeah. Jason and you know Gabby. Now it's like right, I want to bring everyone into the family and that the fans and that's really good. And that's why the sports bar I think's been you know godsend for me because I get to speak to fans all the time.
1: Mm. What's your most controversial football opinion? God,
0: that's a tough question.
1: Something you think that a lot of other people would disagree with and you can't really see why. Perhaps. Could be Um, something else.
0: Controversial football opinion. Um, I'm trying to think here.
1: We can come back to that one, if anything comes to mind as we go through. I mean, my my dad always said that Wayne Rooney was overrated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I, I used to agree with him until I played against him. Uh, And then I was like, dad, he's definitely not overrated. I promise you now, he ain't fucking overrated. He's unbelievable. Um, I mean, I I, I guess controversial opinions, uh, you know, people talk about Van Dijk. You know, I think he's
1: overrated. Right. Um, Even this season, he seems to be. Back I mean, on this season, it. I think he's been
0: better, but I still think he's overrated. I still think you know, when you talk about, I always look back at players that I played against: John Terry, mm. Rio Ferdinand, um, Vincent Company, mm. You know, Ledley King. I played with Ledley. I always look, and I look at Van Dijk, and I think, yeah, he's good. Don't get me wrong; he's he's you know, he's top class. I'm not saying he's shit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, you
0: know, it, is he a legend? Well, he's playing for Celtic and he played for Southampton, and then he had a couple of good seasons at Liverpool and he's done well. But is he? He's not John Terry, he's not Rio Ferdinand. You know, I, I don't think he's on that level. and I think that, that, that annoys a few people when we, mm. we throw that
1: one out. Imagine uh, Liverpool fans that aren't often at best at like, <laughs> yeah. hearing things that <laughs> they don't I mean, like there's so hear. many. I mean, look, we, we like to poke people, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we give it,
0: you know, Newcastle's only a big club in Newcastle, you know, things, yeah, yeah. you know, but I mean, there's so many little things that you can, you know, have a dig at, what's the biggest derbies and things like that. But you know what, like, I just love to have the fun and have the banter, you know, like with Arsenal fans, you dig up. I and mean, I think people now know that, It's not, you know, it's not like a personal vendetta. We're having other football fans, you know, and, you know, I've got my team and I think the great thing about the media where I've gone and and I think talk sport have gone that way a little bit is, is you don't need to be neutral. Yeah. You know, like you see pundits now on certain programs who have to give like a neutral answer. Right. Fuck that. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm a Spurs fan. Everyone knows I'm a Spurs fan. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Spurs and I'm going to big up Spurs and I'm going to say Arsenal and shit. Yeah, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that, but because that's what people do in the street or in the pub or at a game. You know, there's rivalry, and that's what makes it fun. You know, if there's no rivalry, you know Celtic and Rangers play against each other now. There's no fans. Like they're Mm. they're not. They don't have away support, and they hate it. Mm. Football's about having rivalry, Mm. and I I, and that's so. I love it that I can argue with an Arsenal fan, even if they're right. <laughs> I still argue with them, yeah. you know, because you know, because well, I'm I'm poking the bear like yeah. a little bit. And you know, with Jason now, I work with Jason all the time, and he's brilliant at winding people up, and he's <laughs> like he's the best at having a wind up with people. But it's fun in a nice way, yeah. And we like to, you know, and, you know we've got the Chelsea rivalry and like the rivalry with Laura, and I think. You know, f-
1: all this neutral rubbish. Oh, you've got to be neutral. Well, no, you haven't. I think the rise of fan channels, like on YouTube, have shown that. The people yeah. really, very much are into that. They yeah. want to know, they want to hear people not watering down if their team's been crap. Yeah. They want to have someone telling it how it is and they want to... Exactly. Um, but, they want to be like that. You
0: see some of them. They're massive now. Like, yeah. huge.
1: I don't even know who half of these people are. What do, you, I mean, what do you think about that? Obviously, a lot of these people haven't never played the game. They're given opinions. I imagine at this point swaying the opinions of fan bases. That's good for the game, bad Um, for it. Look, everyone's
0: entitled to an opinion. Yeah. You know, everyone's entitled to an opinion. Whether you're an expert or not, whether you've played, you're still entitled to an opinion. You go and watch your team play every week, then you're entitled to that opinion. You know, I I, I get the um, sometimes when people start talking about tactical decisions or or decisions that's made you know, in a game that he's never been in that situation ever in his life. (laughs) Maybe in a school playground where he was the last one to get picked. Or on FIFA or something. Yeah. (laughs) Or he played it on FIFA. Yeah. And he's given a decision or he's talking, you know, they're talking about, you know, a movement that someone's made or a decision someone's made in the heat at the moment. Yeah. Fuck off. (laughs) Like you've you've never been in that. You you don't know what you're talking about. Like you've never been in that moment. But I respect everyone's opinion. Like Mm. everyone's entitled to that opinion. And and I think a lot of them speak a lot of sense, you know. A lot of them, and I love that, you know, because it creates, fa- you know, fan bases who follow these people. Um, you know, they create, um, you know, auras around football clubs, and yeah, brings a lot of attention. Yeah, you know, to football clubs, and it builds up fan bases, and you know, then you know, then I can go in and two foot them and <laughs> say what you want about. Have
1: some fun with it. Yeah,
0: and there's just some part and parts which fun, right? You know, like we'll, you know, it's. I always, I always say to people, like, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not life or death here, right? You know, we'll. I, I love Tottenham, but, you know, it, you know, it's it's not life or death. You know, if Arsenal do well and they win the league, of course, I'm going to be gutted. And <laughs> you know, I'm going to go on and be like, I'm gutted. But, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to ruin my year. Yeah. You know, like, we all just want to have a laugh. We're all football fans and we are all supporting, and we're all passionate about our teams. But, you know, let's not take it
1: too far. So my dad's a Man United fan. Um, he's watching a lot less football than he used to. What's, yeah. uh, what's gone wrong at Man United? I,
0: I, I For me, when I look at Manchester United, I mean, look, I've never played for the club, so it's hard for me to, you know, have a real insight to what's happened inside the club. But what I see is, a, com- and I see it with Chelsea as well, the, there's been a complete mentality change in terms of what's acceptable in terms of levels. Okay. Now, I played against Man United when Man United were Man United. Yeah. You know, like, you, I used to turn up to Old Trafford, and if you walked off that pitch and got beat 2 0, that's a decent result. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, they would turn over everyone, and you'd walk in, and you'd be in that tunnel, and you're stood next to Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, Rooney, Tevez, Skulls, Carrick, Ronaldo, Giggs, and they'd stand there like, we're going to destroy you today. <laughs> Like, yeah. you are getting destroyed. <laughs> Whoever you are, you're getting fucking destroyed. Right? And that was what the mentality was. Yeah. And you knew it. You could feel it yeah. walking on the pitch. Like I genuinely, you could feel it. I got that feeling with Man United. I got that feeling with Liverpool. And I got that feeling a little bit with um, Chelsea as well. Mm. Chelsea with John Terry, Lampard, yeah. Drogba, Balak. You stood there before the game thinking, fuck me, we're getting beat. Yeah, like you just knew it, and that was because there were levels set, there was standards set from leaders in in the dressing room, and I look at Manchester United now, and I think there's no leaders in that team. Yeah, there's not one leader. The mentality's uh, gone. Young players these days, I think, is a completely different world to what it was when we were young. You know, the the, the way they're protected. You know, they 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 covered up in cotton. You know, like,
1: Is it possible for them to be anything close to normal people at this point, given the very strange lives um, they have from a young age?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, look, look, it's it's changed, but it's you know, they're still normal people. A lot right. of footballers come from normal backgrounds, you know, yeah. and I don't think they've, I don't think they they're, they're they're different in terms of their personalities are different. I think their toughness in terms of what it takes to become a footballer. I think they are protected so much now by okay. football clubs mm. that. The mentality's different. I used to, I used to scrub toilets right. and dressing rooms. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't do that now. I used to clean boots before I could go out and train. You know, like I just don't think that that just doesn't happen anymore. Like the, the the mentality, they're soft. I think young players now are soft. Manchester United is full of soft players. Chelsea is full of soft players. These young players now come through. In my opinion, they've got no leadership qualities. Yeah, they've got no real. Um, bollocks yeah, you know, to, you know to, to be straight with it. Yeah, they yeah. haven't got the bollocks to go out there and be winners. And I look at Manchester United now and I see that as a massive problem, you know, like Rashford and Sancho and you know, like the players that they're looking at to, to step up to the plate just ain't got the mentality. Now. They don't
1: have the character of There's the no character. players that would have been there 20 years ago. Do yeah, you think Rio if- Fernand and Paul Scholes and yeah. you know,
0: like would, would that would have would accept getting beat by Brentford
1: mm. 4-0? do you know what I mean <laughs> not just like, a little bit either
0: not a chance yeah, there'd be yeah. rucks there'd be fights yeah. in the dressing room you'd be getting done by the scruff of the neck like I remember coming in training once and I lost a training session and Robbie King got me by the scruff of the neck you fucking train like that again son wow like, you ain't gonna you'll be gone yeah you know like there was levels yeah. set and you know I speak to John Terry and, you, know, I, you know for me John Terry was the ultimate captain in terms yeah. of setting you know levels of you know what was what was good enough and you know, I, I I think he's on the same page as me. Where you, you go, like they're just the, the levels are not there no more. The, the the accepted levels of where a football club should be. Mm. Manchester United should be the best club in the, in the country. Yeah, I don't care about you know. You can have you know, I Manchester City got state money, right? Fuck off. <laughs> like you're Manchester United. You know, men, Liverpool ain't got state money, but they've got mm. they've they still, the menta- still got the mentality. Liverpool still got the mentality because they got Jurgen Klopp. Mm. The mentality at that football club is still there. We are Liverpool. We beat everyone. If we lose one game in a season, that's not good enough. That's the levels that have, were set. And I think Manchester United have gone so far away from that.
1: Because it's just about saying about young players being soft. And you mentioned you felt like a rock star. At, I think you said at twenty one when you got mm. the the bigger contract. It's like, I imagine a lot of these players are feeling like that at 14 and that, I just think I try and put myself in that scenario and think, yeah. what would I have been like if I, I'd have probably walked around like a mini tyrant, you know, just.
0: I know. Yeah. I'm, I, it's hard because the game has changed yeah. and, you know, I, you know, I took over at Ricky and. And you know it's a completely different level to Premier League, but you're mm. seeing young players who want to be footballers, and yeah. that mate, they are soft. Right, they're so you can't even say anything to them anymore. You say something to them they crawl up into a little ball, like you know, like okay. you know, like I just don't think you can have that say that same um, argument. Like, hey, used to come in and say, "You, you, you, and you, fucking miles off it." Right. I think if you say that to some players now you've you've lost them yeah okay oh and go into a little ball and go into a little shit I just don't know if that real toughness is there anymore I think the game's changed so much where you know where they're so protected and they're getting money like from you know some of these players are playing in reserves on 30 grand a week yeah do you know what I mean how much much hard work I had to get to get 30 grand a week and the sacrifice I had to make to get that sort of money these kids are getting 30 grand a week they're not even in the first team you know, like the, yeah. the, it's just inc- it's just crazy, and it cha- and it's changed. You know that hunger, that fire in your belly that I used to have, and I wasn't a you know I wasn't a world class footballer, but I had fucking hunger. I was you know I, I nothing was stopping me. I look at some of these players now and go, you have not got the fire in your belly. That yeah. fire's not in your that you're you're talented, right? Because there's always going to be talented yeah. footballers, yeah. right? And, and and we're only going to ever get better and super athletes, yeah. To and you're only yeah, you're and you know yeah. and it, look. This, the best ones will make it the best ones will do it look at Jude Bellingham right yeah. I fucking love him mm. I look at him and be like he's unbelievable like the men's but if you watch him if you look at him he's got the fire in his belly mm. you can see it in his eyes when he walks on that, uh, that pitch you watch him he walks around like I'm the best player here and I'm going to do it every single week and you can see it he's got that edge to him like Rooney had like, and you can see it in Bellingham
1: did you think he'd do at Real Madrid what he's done this season did you see that beforehand I
0: didn't I didn't see him being that good right yeah, I yeah. knew he was going to be a success yeah okay. I, it, I knew he was going to be a success because I watched him play for England and look it, you know people from the outside I look at I look at the character I look at his character and I you know one he's unbelievable at football and and he's got the physicality as well you know yeah. he's, he's you know the physicality he's got amazing for a young man but if you watch his character Mm. on a football pitch. I think we played against Scotland when we won 3-0. We absolutely pumped them, right? And Jude Bellingham was just the best player on the pitch. But I watched him from the start and his character when you walked on that football pitch, you could just see. He was walking on that football pitch to be like, "I'm going to fucking run this show." Mm. You know, like and that's not arrogant. Yeah, it's that's just that's confidence deep that, within him. Yeah. That's yeah. just in you. That's in you. And some people have got that and some people like and I love that. And I actually, like, I looked at, and I, that gives me goosebumps. I love watching Jude, yeah. uh, Jude Bellingham. Not because of how good he is at football, because that's, that's just a given. But his character is fucking amazing. And that's why he's going to be, I think Jude Benenham's going to be our greatest ever football player mm. for England, ever.
1: Ballon d'Or winner. He's going to win the
0: Ballon d'Or. I, I think he'll win it three or four times. Do you think he'll win the next one? I think he's got a really good chance. Mm. You know, Highland's injured at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's all going to go down to you know the Champions League, isn't it? You know, in terms Harry of Harry Kane, I've got another English. You, Harry one, right. Kane's going to be, you know, he deserves to be in with a shot. Yeah. He's gone to Bayern Munich, he deserves. So whoever wins that Champions League, whether it's Bayern Munich, whether it's Real Madrid, whether it's Manchester City, I think it's between Kane, Harland, and Bellingham. Yeah, uh, I think Bellingham is going to be close to. obviously we've got the Euros as That's well. Right? So are England going to win the Euros? How are we going to do? Um, I think we've got a really good chance. Yeah. I think if we keep Harry Kane fit and we keep Bellingham fit. We've got a great chance, We've got an amazing opportunity to to do it. I don't know if Gareth Southgate has got the I don't know if he's got the, the mentality. I don't know if he's got it. To okay. take us to the that, that final hurdle. He's got the players. He's got the players. Do you think he's overrated? <sighs> God, it's harsh, isn't it, if I say yes. <laughs> it's fucking harsh if I say yes. Um I wouldn't say he's overrated. Okay. I don't think he has got enough to take England to glory. Right. You know, I think he can get us to a point. I think he's he's, he's created a really nice club feel. Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, he, he's he's instilled a confidence in the players that they all want to play for England and they want to turn up and they love it. And, you know, he's got a really amazing bunch of players. I don't think he's, he's got the tactical nous to win a tournament. I think okay. he can get you to a point when we've always got to the last hurdle when England really and truthfully should always get to the last hurdle with, you know, fucking me managing. You know, I could qualify for the Euros being the manager of England. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. go out there, just pick Jude and Harry Game, We're going to qualify. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know, any man and his dog can manage England to a certain point. Um, when we've got to the final point where if it's a semi-final, quarter-final, and we've played against a nation who are as good as us and have got the same quality, we get beat. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got beat when when we shouldn't have got beat. Italy.
1: Yeah. Croatia. France. You even that Italy team, how many players if you they did were a combined us. How, If you did a combined eleven, how many Italian None players? None of them get in team. Yeah. But in
0: his but in his approach to them games, he goes back to his defensive quality, which is because he was a centre half, a yeah. boring centre half. And he's pragmatic. You know, he's mm. his, his decisions that he makes are I always think he's very reactive in, instead of proactive. Like, the game was in the balance against France. The game was in the balance against Italy. What are you going to do to, to yeah. get us over the line? Like, you know, are you going to make a decision before Italy make a decision or before something happens? You know, and he didn't. He didn't make them decisions. He waited and waited and waited. And the best managers, like Pep, you know, like Mourinho, like the manager of
1: one, won, you know, the, the everything, Ancelotti, they make a decision before it's happened. If you had the power to right now, would you change England manager ahead of the Euros?
0: Could I put anyone in there?
1: Uh, anyone who you think you could... Really Anyone's available. Yeah. Or anyone, or anyone. Like, not anyone. I, like, so not like you can't stick Pep in because I can't imagine he would do it. But um, um, anyone you think would be somewhat realistic to go in? I'd put Mourinho in there. Right, okay.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think if, if you're going to go into a tournament, I'd love mm. for Jose Mourinho to be the England manager. Mm. I think it would be amazing.
1: Well, in this Euros, England must have the best squad, maybe alongside France, and it's probably quite a distance between them and next. next We don't have the best manager,
0: Mm -hmm. and we don't have a manager who knows how to win a trophy. He's never won one. Yeah. Um, For me, if I was, you know, Eddie Howe, I think is is a potential England manager in the future. Yeah. You know, I think he's definitely one that you'd look at in the future and say, yeah, I think he could do a really good job. Um. I'd love Jose Mourinho. Okay, for for, for for
1: it'd be fun if nothing else. Well, for two <laughs> tournaments, do you know what I mean? For two yeah, tournaments, with yeah, yeah, yeah. this group
0: of players, with with this group of players, yeah. they all know how to play football. He's not going. We, we play defensive minded football anyway, but he mm. ain't going to change that. You no, know, he. But what he's going to give you is a fucking mentality to win a tournament. Yeah, and they're going to respect what he says. I think if you gave him the opportunity to take a World Cup or a Euros in the next four, four years, I think he'd win one. Mm. Okay. And how good would that be?
1: <laughs> it would be, yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah, it'd probably get sent off in the final.
1: <laughs> that's fine. Be
0: good to watch. It would,
1: yeah. <laughs> Press conferences be fun. Yeah. Um, who's going to win the league this season?
0: I mean, I'd love to say Spurs, but <laughs> we fell off well, the Well, for a while. We? It looked
1: like that might be. On I the know, cards. and
0: I kill myself, don't I? Every time Spurs <laughs> start well, we start well every season. I never learn, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. We're back. Spurs a, are back. We're going to win the league. Here. Um, you know I, look I, I genuinely thought Spurs if we didn't get them injuries we would have had a chance yeah you know I think if Spurs didn't get Van der Ven and Madison injured and Romero sent off for stupidity I think we would have been top of the league because right. I don't think anyone's been amazing no. Liverpool are there at the moment they're top but they're not like no. yeah. wow yeah, yeah, you know I watched them the other night like, you know, they're not like incredible but they've got a mentality <laughs> yeah. the mentality at Liverpool that Jurgen Klopp's instilled in them is at levels and this is where we're at and they had one season where they've been off it you know but they 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 have the level. They're not a, they're not an amazing side. They've got Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones playing in the side. You know, they're good footballers. They're not well classed, they're not well beaters, McAllister. Yeah, you know, but what they've got is a fucking mentality. I think they'll go close. Um Tottenham will be amongst it. I think Man. I just don't think you can look past Manchester City. Yeah because they got they got they've got Pep Guardiola. Who is the best manager in the world. Mm. And he's got the mentality of always delivering when it matters. You know, he he he's his levels are never ever anything short of a hundred percent. You've got De Bruyne coming back, you've got Haaland, you know what I mean that? You know, he gets injured, you've got Alvarez, you know, you've got Phil Foden. You know, they're just they're blessed with with world class talent all over the football pitch and I just think, you know, the way they do business after January and now they kick on, I just think they're a steam train.
1: A lot of people criticise Pep or downplay his achievements, shall we say, by saying he's always had these big budgets. Do you think yeah, what's there's... he going to go and
0: do? Go and manage Bolton? <laughs> yeah, this is what annoys me with people when they say this. Like, what, what do you want him to do? Take over Wrexham? Yeah. Like, it, it's Pep Guardiola. He played for Barcelona. He got the Barcelona job. And he had Messi in his side and all these well-beaters and he took over a team because he deserved that opportunity because of his coaching, of how good he was as a coach. What do you want him to do? Go and manage in fucking league? Uh, you know, like, he, he got the opportunity to manage a top club and he took it. And, you know, he you know people say he downplay his achievements. Well, hold on a minute. There's been top managers who have been at top clubs and not achieved what he's achieved. Yeah. You know, like, there's been other managers at Barcelona. There's been other managers at... Manchester City. There's been other managers at Liverpool that haven't, you know, haven't done it, and Real Madrid, and they get sacked. Pep Guardiola
1: don't get sacked. I think I think that is one of his achievements that's not often talked about. That's probably one of the most remarkable. The three clubs that he's managed to not be sacked from any of them is yeah, mad.
0: Well, because you don't get sacked because, he because wins games. <laughs> yeah, but well, because yeah, he, win, he wins. Yeah. and he instills a mentality in a football club that stays forever you know like he instilled mm. a mentality at Barcelona where that, that's still like that's still there yeah. that's still that style of football Manchester City he's changed the Premier League in terms of how football's played mm. when Pep come over here the way football played in, in England has changed forever
1: mm. Yeah,
0: and that's because of him you know like he's inverted full backs and the way centre half going into midfield and all that that didn't happen before you know like rarely you know but you know now every team plays out from the back Every team. You know, you used to have four or five teams in the Premier League that never played out from the back. Yeah. Burnley, Bolton, you know, like, you know, they have their managers and but now their managers are obsolete. You know, their managers, you know, you, 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 unless you move with the times, you, you them, their managers don't get an opportunity no more because of the way the game's gone. Everyone plays out from the back. Everyone, you have to be comfortable in possession. Your goalkeeper has to be like an outfield player and that's because of Pep Guardiola.
1: Greatest manager of all time?
0: Sir Alex Ferguson. Okay mile
1: will is there a chance Pep will overtake him
0: well I, I, he'll, over, he'll, he'll overtake him in terms of his achievements in terms of what he's won yeah I think yeah. he probably will but I mean with how many Premier League titles did Sir Alex win 14, 13 was it I mean how many did he win I don't think Pep's ever going to get to that Yeah, um, but he's obviously done it in other countries you yeah. know um, for me, Sir Alex Ferguson is the greatest manager of all time because of what he where he took Manchester United and, and where he took and where he put them. Um, you know, Manchester United obviously a massive football club, but they wasn't they wasn't winning things when he took over, and he took them to dominate. You know, the yeah. Premier League in an era where it, you know no one could get near them. You know, they were just on another planet, and and the teams that he put together and the way he was as a manager. Yeah, I would have loved to play for him. That, was, mm. that would have been one dream. Mm. I just would love to play for
1: Sir Alex Ferguson. Let's going back to that moment where you maybe could have gone to Man gone United. Gone to Man United, like yeah, I know, could yeah, have, of could course, have been, could have been possible, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, of course, it could have been possible, yeah. absolutely, and you know, probably we've had the opportunity to to work under him, but yeah, I mean, I love him, his documentaries, everything. I just love the way he is. I mean, for me, I played in that era where Sir La- Sir Alex was, you know,
1: Sir Alex, and
0: that was his teams were just monsters, mm. monsters.
1: You couldn't get near him. Best player you ever played with and best player you ever played against, maybe from one of those Man United teams? Yeah, um,
0: tough question to answer because there's been there's been a few. I mean, look, best player I would say I played with would have to be Luka Modric. I mean, you know, just to play with him, you know, you could see the talent he had as soon as you walked through the door. Um, and I, you know, I always laugh at Luka Modric from the Ballon door, and I'm, you know, doing a sports bar and talk sport. <laughs> Um, he was, you know, he was, yeah, he was unbelievable. He couldn't yeah. get the ball from him. I think as a talented football player, he was, he was even under. at
1: five foot two. Or whatever. Well,
0: he just couldn't get the ball from him. He had such a low center of gravity, and yeah. he saw for, he saw passes that no one else saw. And you know, the way he could move the ball, manipulate the ball, he was just, you know, he never ever not had. You know, he was just so good. And once he grew in confidence at Tottenham and started realizing himself that he was one of the best players, and yeah, there was nothing holding him back. So mm. I think I think Luca was was one that you would, would be a standout, was a standout player. Um, best player I played against, I mean, look, there's a few. Ronaldo, obviously, yeah. you know, I played against him a couple of times and he was just unbelievable um, in terms of what he could do on a football pitch and how sharp he was. And, you know, he would even if he wasn't having a good game, not having a quiet game, he'd still score. <laughs> you know, like he would always do something in a game, whether it's a free kick, whether it's an assist, he would always do something um, Paul Scholes and Steven Gerrard Paul Scholes was my idol growing up like I loved Paul Scholes like he was like I used to just sit and watch videos of Paul Scholes and you know playing against him he was probably one of the only players I was in awe of
1: mm. Um,
0: but in terms of getting the biggest run around I'd say Steven Gerrard right I mean, I played against him and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I cannot get near this guy. I'll never forget. It. We played, it was my, we Tottenham, Liverpool at home. I started Gerard in midfield. I was in midfield and I was like, I'm going to fucking do Gerard like, I'm going to show him, I'm going to show him early doors who I am, what I'm about. First minute ball comes up, middle of the park, I go, crash, go straight over the top of him. Yeah, fucking have that Stevie. Picks himself up off the floor and I never forget it, just gave me a little look and was like, all right, fuck me. For the next 45 minutes, I didn't touch the ball. Right. And he was like, one twos around me, fucking running past you when he's got 10 yards, of sp- like he's 10 yards and he's past you within five. You know, like he's uh, he was, people don't realise how quick he was. Yeah. Like he was so quick like, he could play as a winger, mm. but he would run through the middle of the pitch with the ball, without the ball. He was quicker than you. He was stronger than you. He was better than you. He was good on the ball, and he had a, a character. He was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like he was horrible. You know, he would go right through you and <laughs> wouldn't think anything about it. You know, like, he was an animal. And then he'd go and, you know, score from fucking 40 yards. Like, for me, I walked off. I mean, I got dragged in that game at halftime. I couldn't wait to get off the pitch. He was, he was, yeah, he was... Next level.
1: He went challenge accepted. and uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you didn't want to you didn't want to piss him off. Yeah. You know, you, you're trying to go through the game of avoid, like, just let him have a quiet game. If you pissed him off, you were getting beat.
1: So changing tack slightly, uh, about a month ago, I um, had a chat with Matt Letitier mm. who um, did media work, much like, like you're doing now. Yeah. He got sacked from Sky for some controversial opinions. So, yeah. so two parts to that. Do you think that was the right thing for Sky to do, number one? Number two... Does that make you worried about being cancelled if you say the wrong thing? Yeah, I mean, look, I guess it's always a worry. Um, I don't know
0: the ins and outs of, of Matt Letizia in terms of where he wanted to go and what Sky wanted to do. I think Sky maybe wanted to make changes anyway, regardless. Okay. Um, they use it as an opportunity, maybe. Um, look, I've got massive respect for Matt Letizia. I loved him as a pundit. Um, I, think you, I, I think in this day and age, the problem we've got is that if if you're always very close to being cancelled right you're you know you are one word away from being cancelled and it is a worry because and it might just be your opinion but it might be an opinion that people don't agree with and that's it they jump on the bandwagon you've had it you know you see it quite a bit so you do you know you are very um skeptical in terms of certain things that you can say but I'm always on on you know I'm I'm an open book when it comes to you know, women in football, and you know, like fair play to them if they're good enough and and they can talk and they're great at their job, then I have got no issue with that, you know, because I always see it as, you know, I was a footballer, and at the end of the day, cream always rises to the top. If you're good enough, you're going to get an opportunity in 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 the media. If you're good enough, you'll get an opportunity, and you have got to take that opportunity. And you know, I work with some amazing women pundits, you know, Laura Woods. You know, I've worked with Alex Scott, which is brilliant. You know, Leanne Sanderson, I work with, and she she takes a hell of a lot of stick. And, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these women have represented their country. You know, Anya Lugo, she's represented her country. Mm. And, you know, she's entitled to talk about football. Yeah, the game's slower, women's football. You know, it's a different game. Of course it is. They still know how to control the ball. They know how to talk about tactical decisions and, you know, awareness on a football pitch of where you might want to move the ball and manipulate the ball. They still know it, it might be slower. they still got to do the same thing. It's still the same game. They're not playing a completely different game. They're not talking about basketball. <laughs> You know, they're talking about football that they've played at the highest level of their in their field. So and I think some of the, the stick that, you know, a lot of people get and I think it's a bit harsh, I think it's out of order. And I think a lot of people in society now jump on the bandwagon of, yeah, 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 yeah. we shouldn't have women in football. So, like, you know, it's just stupid. What are you talking about? You know, like, how, how ridiculous are you? What are you going on about? You know, everyone's entitled to an opinion, you know, like people that ain't played football and uh, who are talking about football every week. Well, they're not allowed to talk about football because yeah. they haven't played the game. You know, like if they, if they talk about... We're talking
1: about like, the football YouTubers and fan channels and things course, like that. Of course, right?
0: And yeah. no one thinks them out. You yeah, know, yeah, like Mark yeah. Goldbridge. He's never played football. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's got a brilliant following on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, people respect what he says, you know. Yeah. but you know, So what? any Lugo or, you know, all these people are not allowed to talk about football because, what, because they haven't played in the men's game. Fuck off you know I think it's out of order the stick they get I think it's I think it's nonsense and I think it's just people trying to jump on the bandwagon of, you know being jealous of the fact that these women have done brilliantly to get to where they've got to and have been successful and I think a lot of them are really good Um, so yeah I mean look you you, you do have to be I'm I always try and stay in a comfort zone of if I don't know about it I might I'll say I don't know yeah you know, like if, if someone asks me a question about women's football, I'm not going to sit there and lie and say that I know yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I think you've got to, you know, say look, I don't know. You yeah. know, I haven't watched that game or I, yeah. you know, and I I always I don't take I think the best thing is to not take yourself too seriously. You know, like we're we're in we're in the entertainment business. You know, I'm a pundit and I you know I talk about football, but I'm an entertainer as well. I want people to listen to my show and or listen to me, and I want people to smile and have a laugh and don't take yourself too seriously, you know? Mm. No one really gives a shit. <laughs> like, you know, you know, like we all just wanna have fun and we wanna enjoy life. I'm very much like, I just wanna enjoy myself on the journey that I'm on. And I respect everyone who's got an opinion. I respect any woman or man or you know, anyone who's in the game, who's doing well for themselves. well done. Because mm. it's a tough industry to be in.
1: Yeah,
0: And you are gonna take a lot of stick. You're gonna get people moaning at you. You're gonna get people saying you're not good enough. How are you talking about this? How are you talking about that? What's Jamie know? You know, he's, he, you know, like, like I'm I'm at the top of my trade in what I'm doing and I get imposter syndrome. Right. Like, I really do. Like, I sit there and think, I'm presenting TalkSport Breakfast Show mm. to millions of people. Yeah. How the fuck has that happened? <laughs> you know, like, seriously, I was like, you know, but, you know, like, I get imposter syndrome because I'm not Steven Gerrard. Right, yeah, You know, yeah. I'm not Frank Lampard. <laughs> I'm not Jamie Carragher. Mm. You, know, you know, I've had a good career, <clears throat> but... I'm good at my job I entertain and I, and I have a laugh with people and I can relate people can relate to me and you know you, you got to you know it's a journey that you find yourself on and if you're good at your job, you deserve to be there and you know if you're not good at your job consistently you don't matter who you are you're going to get sacked off eventually yeah so you know I, I'm always very much like fair play to everyone who's doing well for themselves I'm very much like I, I'm not jealous of anyone. Mm. That's doing better than me or getting opportunities that I, I, I haven't got.
1: Worst investment you ever made. <sighs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Ex-wife. <laughs> Two million pound divorce, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
0: <clears throat> worst investment. I mean, I I I put a hundred grand into a hotel once in Greece that never got built. <laughs>
1: Was it one of those where it was never going to get built or it fell through? Uh, I think it was one that was never going to get built. Right, okay. Um,
0: I put 30 grand into a cryptocurrency coin that never even existed. Wow. Um, (laughs) So that was- some good ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. I actually got offered Bitcoin through my financial advisor before Bitcoin was Bitcoin. Yeah, wow. And um, he offered me six- Thousand pounds worth of Bitcoin, which was at the time about three 400 Bitcoins.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. People listening will be quickly Googling a conversion rate right now. Yeah. But that's a lot. It, yeah, I mean, we're talking <laughs> be worth like
0: 50, 60 million. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that was one that I kind of think probably, I'll mean, never forget that phone call. I was yeah, yeah. driving over Darfur Bridge and I was on the phone to him saying, look, I've got divorced. I've got some money. I ain't got a lot. Like, so I can't go and buy a house. Like, don't, I can't put money into a property, but is there anything like <clears throat> that we could put something in that might make a few quid? And he went, what about Bitcoin? <laughs> what the fuck is Bitcoin? What are you talking about? He was like cryptocurrency. I said, I don't know what you're on about. Yeah. No idea. I said, yeah. fuck, like do me a favor, go away. <laughs> And, and sort yourself out and come back. He said, No, he said, I think you should put six grand into Bitcoin and just see what happens. He said, It might do all right, might not, but yeah, you know, I think it's, it's people are starting to talk about it. Fucking hell. <laughs> I want to be sat here right now. And, like, six grand into Bitcoin would have been worth millions. Yeah, yeah. Idiot. yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, look, I, I made some bad investments, bought some nice cars. <clears throat> At least you get some fun out of those. It's not like the hotel that was never going to get. Yeah,
0: away. yeah, yeah. I'm not bought a nice. I bought a white Bentley, which um, cost me 150 grand as a wedding present. Got the a year later. <coughs> but I tell you what, that was that was a oh, what a car that was. Yeah. That was an unbelievable car to drive
1: around in. Yeah, not um, a bit conspicuous. You have got to be careful where you park that. I imagine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I used to park it outside the the pub. Uh, on up on the kerbs so everyone could see it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then realised I look like a complete twat um, but yeah I mean I've made some made some bad investments for sure but nothing that's ever really skinted me out complete, completely mm.
1: okay before we end I want to do a bit of like a, a bit of a quick fire <clears throat> and get your sort of like initial thoughts on you know, or just some thoughts that come to mind on a, on a few people like names in, in in your industry Um, Roy Keane love him yeah
0: yeah amazing says it how it is And who can question him? It's Roy Keane.
1: Okay. Jamie Carragher.
0: I love him as I mean brilliant. Um I think he's he's funny. I think he he knows what the audience wants. And again, he you know, he's played at the the highest level.
1: Gary Neville.
0: (laughs) I mean I might say I like, love him to all of them. Like, I, I, yeah, that's I, okay. Yeah, I love him. Is
1: he going to control all of football media at some point, Gary? I mean, he's going to try, isn't he?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he wants to try. Um, I think he's got a lot to say for himself in terms of f- non-football related stuff. And I always think like kind of staying in your lane a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think Carragher does that. I think Roy Keane does that. I think Neville tries to be like an MP, doesn't he? Well,
1: he's, his latest his podcast is stick to football, isn't it? It's almost like either him or someone <coughs> his team has been like, "I know what'll work." <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, I think you kind of, I mean, look, fair play to him if you think you can take
0: over and go different avenues, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere near stuff like that. You're just, you're just looking for a disaster. Mm. I'm not intelligent enough to talk about politics well, or anything In terms like. of
1: getting cancelled, it's probably quite an easy way to yeah. have someone like that yeah. happen,
0: yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, yeah, you don't want to be going too far down that road. Just stick to football.
1: Um I think it's brilliant,
0: though. As a
1: Spurs fan, Ange Postacogli. Love him. Yeah. I mean, what a guy.
0: Um a lot, of, a lot of scrutiny come in when he took over the job, saying, is he the right man for the fit? And I used to, I'd done a podcast with some guys up in Scotland and they, they were big Celtic fans. And they were like, he's, they used to buzz off him. They loved him. And they were like, they were devastated when he left. So I kind of took it to be like, you know, this guy must be decent. You know, he's not a fool. This guy is not an idiot. Um, And he'd proven everyone right, you know? Yeah. You know, what a really good manager he is. And he just seems like a nice bloke and relatable. Yeah, You know, people can relate. And I think fans want, I think you got to have someone you can relate to a bit. You know, you don't need a robot in charge of your football club. and. I think Tottenham needed to go back to basics a little bit. We went with Conte and Mourinho and, you know, big fishes. Um, And I think we've gone back to basics of knowing where we are. We're not Man City. We're not Liverpool, you know, but we are a decent football club and we've got a manager in there who's trying to take us to that level again.
1: Do you think looking (coughs) back on his time at Spurs and say three, four years time, you'll be just like massive success? I hope so I mean you know
0: it it can turn sour at Tottenham very quickly you know but I think what he's I think regardless of how his reign goes I think it will be a success I think because of the mentalities instilled in terms of with the fans and the football that we're playing the entertaining nature and the kind of gung-ho mentality of attacking football I think football fans and especially Spurs fans after watching you know some managers play some really boring football I think they're just enjoying the moment. Mm. (coughs) Are we going to win the title? Probably not. Mm. You know, like, are we going to win trophies week in, week out, like every season? Probably not. We're not. But we've got an incredible facilities and and stadium and people. And and now people are enjoying going down to watch Spurs again. You know, we're not ever going to be Man United. We're not going to be Liverpool. So let's go and at least go and fucking enjoy watching us play. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, again, this might come through a Spurs <coughs> lens a little bit, but Mikel Arteta? Overrated. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think he's got a big job before he probably deserved that job because he was pet right hand man. Um, I think he's a really good manager. I don't get me right. wrong. You know, I'm not saying he's a bad manager. You know, a really good manager in terms of what he wants to instill in his team. But I think Arsenal spent a lot of money, mm. a lot of money and they haven't got it done. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't won and they haven't, you know, they're not, they're not going to win I think I don't think. And I think when you're coming up against the Klopp, Unai Emery, I think Unai Emery's a way better manager. And, you know, Pep Guardiola, I, I just think Arteta falls short.
1: Okay. Ten Hag? I liked
0: Ten Hag when he came come in. I thought he had something about him, a disciplinarian. I think he had something about him, but I think he's lost the dressing room. He's fell out with too many players. Mm. I think he's tried to be too, I, I think 10 Hag would have been amazing manager in, in the Alex Ferguson era of managers. Right, yeah. You know, my way or the highway. Mm. I think now with players, they go right, See so you last longer. Than, <laughs> Highway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See you last longer. Right, okay. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because but a manager don't get results and you lose the dress room, you're out the, you're out the door in six games.
1: Yeah.
0: If you're a player, you've got five-year contracts. Eh? You, ain't, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. So the man, so players are quite happy to see a manager off these days and been like, "My I plan for you. Mm. Look at the same show. refused to play, refused to apologise to his manager of Man United. Who the fuck do you think you are? Like, That's what players are getting away with now. And I think Ten Hag's fallen foul of that, coming here and being like, this is how we're doing it. This is what we're doing. Bang, bang, bang. And I think a lot of players he's lost in the dressing room because of it.
1: Harry Maguire? (sighs) Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I think he's done a brilliant job of getting the best out of his ability. Okay. But in terms of him being... Good enough to play for England or, or, you know, being a, a Manchester United captain. Come on, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, he's a good player, a yeah. good player. Um And he's had a decent career, but, you know, he's not, he wouldn't start my England team. I mm. think he's slow. I think he slows the game down. I think he puts his foot on the ball too many times. And I think when you come up against top quality, real top quality, I don't think he's good enough. Okay. to be look he's, he's better than me <laughs> yeah, right. do you know what I mean in terms of the career he's had that, you know that's not me being disrespectful to him because, but, just
1: at the but in terms
0: of if I'm being having an honest opinion of where yeah. I think you know, even Van Dyke, like you know no you're not a million miles away from them
1: so obviously you're really enjoying what you're doing on the media side of things is there anything you haven't done yet that you'd love to do oh, that's a good question um, what would I love to do I,
0: I mean, I think the ultimate goal in the future for me would be to host my own show, mm, okay. like a game show or something Oh yeah, some sort. You know, like I look at like presenters now, um, like Bradley Walsh I love and, you know, people like that. I think I'd love to in the future, you know, maybe or a late night show, you know, like James Corden or something like that, right, okay, you know. Wow. I mean, you never know, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm
1: reaching there. <laughs> oh, it's, it's <laughs> you know, but, always good to have a goal like yeah, that. Yeah, and it? I think you've got to have a goal. And yeah, that's one, yeah. you
0: know, I've always set goals and I try and set goals every single year now. Where do I want to be, whether yeah. it's in three months, whether it's in six months, 12 months, five years, where do you want to be? And, you know, mm. if you get anywhere near that, you know, like I didn't think I would be hosting the breakfast show and talk sport, but yeah. I am. You know, I didn't think I'd be presenting a sports bar five days a week, but I am. But you know, because I've manifested it and I was like, this is what I want to do. And I think it's key to constantly always have a goal in mind of where you want to be a realistic target. You know, not com- you know, I'm not going to go and manage Man United. Do you know what I mean? But you know, have a you know, where do you think you could get to in this world and I'd love to own a beach bar, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> a real one. Yeah, a real one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not one that's set up in, in the Greek islands. It's never gonna get to see the light of day. Yeah. You know, but that's just me being, you know, having the 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 old oh I have to be very careful of I have two very different people on my shoulder. Right, yeah. You know, like the I have the devil
1: and the angel, yeah. Me I have things. the
0: devil and my angel who's like, right, yeah. I beefer, Dubai, <laughs> move out there you know, and open up a bar and, you know, like, like and it all sounds great, but the reality is, is it's not realistic, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think I'm, when I'm focused on where I want to go in the future, yeah, I'd love to, you know, presenting now has become something that I feel like I've really settled into as a role. And I'm quite proud of myself really. And you look yeah. at that, I've, you know, like 37 years of age, been on my ass really, you know, out of football. It's not like I've had, a, a you know, this Stephen Gerrard career where you can kind of have to choose to go wherever you want. You know, I've had to work at it and to get the opportunities at 37 to be doing presenting, not many footballers out there who Mm -hmm. present shows, you know, you've got Gary Lineker, Jermaine Genus, Robbie Savage, Alan Brazil, he's done it for 20 years. And there's not many out there that present shows. So that for me Mm -hmm. has been like something I'm really proud of over the last couple of years I've been able to do. And I'm still learning, you know. I still want to mm-hmm. get better. I, I listen back to my shows all the time to be like, Where can I get better? Where can I do
1: you find that painful? I find it hard. I to fucking listen hate back my to myself. own voice, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I me too. hate it. Yeah, you know, yeah, no yeah. wonder my missus is always <laughs> having to me. I <laughs> annoy myself, you know, it's painful. Like, I never watch, I, I really don't watch anything back. I don't like watching things back. But if you want to get better at yeah, something yeah. and you want to learn and you want to progress. You have to. Yeah. Where could I have been? And it's not. I'm not. I'm not listening back to listen to what I'm saying, you know, because that's just natural how it comes out. Mm. Well, what I'm listening yeah. back to is is how I've gone into a break or out of a break, or you know, like how yeah. have you intro the show or what questions have you asked the guests? Could you got more out of that interview? Mm. You know, that's something where you're like that. That really excites me now because that's all new to me. Yeah, that's something that's completely new where you can get better at. Fair.
1: Huh. Well, Jimmy, thank you very much for coming to speak with me. We really appreciate you taking the time. Lucky. If there's anywhere you want to send people or let them know about something up and coming, anything that that well, comes you, to mind, I'm come around my house, have a couple of beers. If you want? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, listen. You know, I, I think everyone knows where I'm at now on a yeah. weekly basis in in Talk Sport and the Sports Bar, which is, you know, uh, an absolute, you know, uh, a godsend for me in terms of uh, you know really building my career. But um, yeah, I mean, I hope everyone just enjoys listening to a. a The real talk of of me and getting a decent insight. I love doing things like this.
1: Awesome. Well, I certainly do. I certainly like your uh, your insight. You say you say how it is, and not everyone does. Yeah. No,
0: it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.
1: Cheers.